Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. Back in your face hole. Back with a bang. It's the best damn combat sports show. Period. Oh, yeah, you're looking at it. A multi-time award-winning telecast. It is Morning Combat. My name is BC, that beige one, the Brian Campbell, live and direct from Atlantic City for tonight's Showbox, the new generation, triple header, 9 p.m. Eastern. More on that to come. But you probably didn't come to this show to hear my bullshit. The guy next to me is the most respected voice among people who have never had the balls to take a fight. His name is Luke Thomas. Uh, blink twice if you're okay in this ISIS death basement you're trapped in right now. Uh, twice on the pipe if the answer is no. Yeah, uh, uh, it, it does. I mean, Luke, you, you, I've stolen your joke all week. You have called Atlantic City the, the land that time forgot. And it's, it's, uh, they forgot a lot more than I expected, Luke. It's, uh, this is, uh, it's It sucks balls. I mean, for folks who don't know, like when we were, what, what would you say, BC, when we were, let's say teenagers, Atlantic City, Atlantic City still had some novel uh, aspects to it because gambling wasn't as far widespread. It was still, it was still had like, you know, you could go to the Jersey Shore. There was the beach there, the boardwalk. Like Atlantic City was kind of grimy, but I think had some life. But dude, when they legalized gambling all over the place, including here in D.C. and then in Baltimore, where so people in this area don't have to go up there anymore. It started to just oh, yeah. decline. The the Native American casinos in Connecticut in the late nineties really killed their yes, uh, that the too, momentum. Absolutely. But dude, I came here a bunch in the eighties and the prime, you know, Trump led uh championship fights, WrestleMania's were here and uh you know, there were good times back then, Luke. They had remember that amusement park, Tivoli Pier that they had inside the Tropicana, Luke? That was, you know, you could as a kid, you could okay, enough of that. No. Yes. All right, uh, Luke. They don't. They don't want to hear this bullshit. They want to hear all things UFC 279, which we'll get to in a quick second. As the past 24 hours, shit's gone weirder than it even was to begin with. There in wild, um, Luke. We do have some partners we'd like to um, shout out. One being Showtime. Showtime.com. Right now, you want 30 days free? Uh, go for it. Tell them BC sent you. You, you can see me tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern on Showbox. Uh, Bellator, all the good shit's happening is on it, the showtime. Is it the standard commentary crew? Is it Barry, you, and Raul? Yes, along with Steve nice. Farhood as well. Uh, so looking forward to it this evening. Uh, Tell Raul also, I said, what's up? Yeah, Ra- Raul's the best. The best. Uh, yeah, I like Raul. 
Yeah, uh, Luke, also we're going to shout out our merch house, morningcombat.store. I don't, I'm not currently wearing anything awesome here. I mean, I don't even know if RJ's still alive. I've been trying to reach out yeah, to him. Yeah, I don't the... know where RJ Dunkel twerking is, but he yeah. is not on the show. I can assure, can we get a code, I can RJ? assure you that. Yeah, can we get something? But, you know, you can get great merch by hitting that site. Uh, there you go with that. Uh, nothing else to sell beyond maybe selling a vote, if you care. Podcast Awards season is upon us. And the World MMA Awards, our second yes, year in a row. Yes, vote for us, fuckfaces. Best MMA programming. We got to beat Ariel. We got to beat Rogan, Dana. I mean, we got to beat them all, right? That's what we do, though. We, be, we beat off. And so you can help. We can't get there without you, though. So hit the QR code or go to worldmmaawards.com slash nominees and uh, vote for us. Vote for A. Braun, Aaron Bronstetter, for uh, Journalist of the Year, if you like other people that help our show out. So uh, there you go with that. Luke, let's not pass go. BC, let's if get... they can't beat us on the voting ballot, beat us off. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, Luke, I, since you know Fridays we do dead wrongs, uh, I do have to dead wrong myself. A lot of people want to kill me for that emotional rant I gave about Tyson Fury on Wednesday's show. Um, I knew Usyk was minorly injured, and I knew he couldn't come back and take the yeah, fight. Yeah, he got like, handled for this one. Within three months. But I thought he meant he can come back in January. He said he can't come back till March. But here's the deal. So, yes, technically I take the L. I was wrong in sort of challenging Tyson's, you know, fighting backbone. But, dude, that's only still six months away. Do we really want to jeopardize? I mean, the point is still proven, Luke. Do we really want to jeopardize how big of a fight that can be? By risking it with other matchups, let's you save it me. for dead wrong because I think the first thing our audience wants is not to relitigate boxing minutia, but to talk about the big UFC pay per view tomorrow. All right, uh, I'll I'll take that and and I'll move on. I, I've got go. some stuff for happy hour later. By the way, I got some shit on my mind. I thought I you said no you happy about. hour today, Luke. That was your. We can call. do we can do a we can do a little bit at the end. We can do a little bit at the end. Your emotions are swinging like a pendulum here, Luke. But let's start the show how it should be. Topic number one: Why you are here? It's UFC two seven nine Las Vegas. And already one of the most unique and weird main events, welterweights, non-title five rounds. The next big thing, 11-0, Hamzat Chemaev against the Stockton legend in what could be the final fight of his 15-year run in the UFC. It is one Nathan Diaz. Luke, the odds were already making this wild. The fact that Nate could flip off the company on the way out or get absolutely demolished on the way out, uh, all that is still in play. But Thursday was supposed to be the press conference, Thursday evening on East Coast time, and it never quite kicked off. Uh, before we re re react to this, let's go to, to how the, the journalists and fans present there in Vegas found out about this as Dana took the mic. This is some weird stuff here. Yeah, this ain't going to happen. I apologize, everybody. I am in very weird waters here. This has never happened in the history of this company. So um, trust me when I tell you this is the right decision not to do this press conference right now, and uh, yeah. I hear you. Words? I'm with you. I hear you, Dana. But for everybody's safety, this is the right decision. All right? I apologize. Yeah. Thanks for coming. That's the look on my face when I apologize to my wife. Uh, Luke, so, you know, right away, people going, what the hell happened? Everybody's got a slightly different account, but here's what we sort of know right now. Definitely Hamzat Chemaev was involved. Most people are saying it was Kevin Holland, who has been having a war of words with Chemaev all week, that started this. Some are saying, no, it was actually Paulo Costa, but here's what we, what we think we know. 
Kevin Holland approached Hamzat, who then kicked him in the chest. Uh, reports are that between all camps, punches, kicks, and even items were thrown. The action and fracas bumped into Team Diaz, and then people were getting hit in the head with water bottles and such. Uh, Dana tried to sum it up to the media members backstage. Let's throw to that, and then we'll go to Luke Thomas for the reaction. I'm going to tell everybody what went on back here. But, uh, you know, there was multiple crazy, you know, I, I don't even know what to call it. However many years, 22 years, however long I've been doing this, we've never had an incident like today. Just all hell broke loose out here. We did a, I don't know, I don't, I don't even know how, you know, we stopped it, but we didn't do a good job of uh, not letting it happen. Just, I, don't know. I don't know what went on here. It just never happened before, and we'll, we'll, be, we'll be ready for it the next time. So, I mean, it looked like you Dude, Luke Thomas, what yeah. the heck we do with this, man? Yeah, I don't think this is all that big a deal. Honestly, it sounds like it was crazy, but it also, like, you know, when do most fights happen at a bar? You know, close to closing time is when they mostly happen, or, you know, right around anything past midnight. It's, you know, as things get closer to their apex moment, uh, that's when shit pops off. And listen, here's what I've noticed. Like, uh, these entourages that these guys are coming in are just absolutely enormous. D uh, Diaz had something like nearly 50 people. I mean, it was a, you know, they had to charter a fucking bus to get everyone around. It was insane. So there's probably an issue there. But I talked to some folks who were actually backstage yesterday. And what they told me was this was not at T-Mobile. I believe this was at MGM. I could be wrong about that part. But it definitely was not at T-Mobile. It was at a different venue for whatever reason. And they typically hold these in like BC you know that when you and I have been at fight weeks virtually every event uh, not media day media day is at the UFC headquarters right and you show up there and if you're if you're press you can get in this was of course for the public but the public ones have always you and I have always gone to T-Mobile Arena right that's what, in fact they made me stay at the Park MGM last time and I got an extraordinarily high amount of bed bugs by virtue of the proximity but we wanted to be close to T-Mobile anyway this was not there I don't know if that is the reason but what I am told is that there was just not nearly enough security, not nearly as much as they normally have. I think they said that there was less than a handful backstage. And we're talking about, you know, guys who are not just on edge about fight week, but they were in close. I'm told they were in very close proximity. The camps were spilling over into each other. There just wasn't enough of a coordinated process backstage. Now, in defense of UFC, this is not typical for them. In fact, this is very atypical. I think they usually do a pretty great job. But somehow, some way... Security was lax and uh, not absent, but not nearly as on top of it as they should have been by both number and procedure. And I suspect that they'll have that sorted next time. But I will say, BC, I will say, don't you feel like the common denominator here in all of this is Chemaev seems to be a little bit on edge. Now, I'm not here like, oh, this means he's going to lose on Saturday. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, like at the airport, he's waiting for Diaz and he's just all of a sudden yelling at Costa and then Jake Shields opened the cage and he doesn't really do anything about it. And then he's backstage and he's front kicking this guy and then the next guy. It just seems to be like more than and this we're talking about like relative to other fighters. Do you not agree? He just seems like very much unable to regulate his emotions. Yeah, well, look, there's a what lot that means. of chaos going on. I don't think we can discount the potential if all these accurate you know, reports are true, and by the way, they're varying. Some are saying Chemayev was alone. Dana said he had an entourage of 30-plus. Uh, no one seems to like truly, really know exactly what happened, but Chemayev's getting linked in a lot of, a lot of shit. Is that because 
you know, like the first night in jail or a new kid in a new school, people are saying, look, that's the guy who's who thinks he's the biggest badass. Well, you know, I want to test him and, and show everybody he's not. Or is it I want to get up on this clout train because his hype is insane. I mean, the traffic that he's doing in anything he's involved in is insane right now. Now he's fighting Diaz. Could this uh, look? It's got to be taken into account. I think these odds are telling of who should win this fight and what will probably happen. But obviously, Nate Diaz has always been such a wild card and has different weird intangibles that are through the roof that it, it's never quite accurate. This, I mean, it's ridiculously wide. Jemaya's been, you know, minus 1,100, plus 700 for Nick. Nate, excuse me. But I do think this has to mean something because Jemaya has been already put up on this pedestal. He's saying all the right things to show you I'm ready and willing to be that guy and play this character and do whatever it takes. But the 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 others are going to make him have to act that out because you've got Costa making big moments against him at the PI. Now this uh, Luke does did from what you've people you've talked to or the various reports you've read was Nate actually involved in this or was this more like shit got out of control and his team members had a like what 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 how what was Nate's role in this from I, what you've I'm heard? told that the way everyone was backstage. For a brief moment in time, Hamzat and Nate were no further than 15 yards apart. Like, that should not be the case. So, like, was Nate involved? I suppose, like, in the, in that sense, yes. I'm told he wasn't overly involved. I will say, I asked about, did anybody, like, again, speaking to a couple of the folks who were backstage, I asked if anyone got cut. Because that's always what you worry about. Did anyone get a cut? They were noncommittal about it. Um, we'll have to see at today's weigh-ins, which by the way, we'll start in about 45 minutes. Let's see if anyone who was involved with yesterday's nonsense, let's see if there's any kind of cuts that they visibly have on their face or otherwise. I'd be very curious to see about that. I, I don't know what the answer is, but the fact that I couldn't get one was like, hmm, okay, that's something worth paying attention to. Yeah. I, I, again, I don't think, I don't think Nate engineered any of this, but dude, it's a combustible fucking situation. Yeah. You pour vinegar on baking soda, you get a third grade science experiment. It's I mean, just look, how it fucking goes. They're all cutting weight. The, emo the emotions and tensions yep. are high. Nate and his team are always carrying that giant chip on their shoulder as they walk, you know, the grounds and, and fight week and, and in general. So you understand how this could happen. Dana, you heard him say, like, this will never happen again. And it, and it probably shouldn't. Do you think that, though, though, that this was enough to, like, really need to need to cancel the press conference altogether? I didn't. I, probably. Probably. Dude, if you can't get control of the situation, one of them's going to get hurt. One of them's going to get cut. It's going to spill out into the audience. You're going to have Malice at the Palace. Now, now, Malice at the Palace was great because it was fun watching pro athletes beat up on absolute simpleton zero moron fuckfaces. That I did enjoy. But this would have been, That's you know, a hot who take knows? right there. <laughs> well, I mean, here's, here's the, here's the thing. You could give at the, that at take the, on the ESPN here, airway. Listen, Malice, <laughs> Malice at the Palace was at the end of the game, right? It was at the end of the game. This is two days before the fight. Like, you, you got to use extra caution, which, again, is, like, weird that they didn't have enough, or, like, you know, allegedly did not have enough security there to corral the situation. And again, they got to do something about these fucking, why is the Wu-Tang Clan rolling in with all of the extra members like you, God, and shit like that, people you don't need to hear from. You yeah. need just the core, you just need Method Man, you need Raekwon the Chef, you need Jizza, you need RZA, <laughs> yeah. you know, and a couple other names, Capadonna, if you're feeling real extra nice about it. That, that's it, you know? Yeah, I mean, what is this, the, the Ultima concert? I mean, we don't need the Hells Angels as security here. It's it's an unnecessary move, Luke, in that regard. Um. For the UFC, I, I, you know, I've already argued on CBS Sports HQ, like, this adds more must-see intrigue because what do, like, 
casual fans want the most out of a pay-per-view fight that they could accidentally get attached to and then suddenly like a moth in the in the light they're like i gotta see this the, the chance for like a real fight with real emotions of hatred and soap opera-ness and this already has that with nate's exit but i think even with the cancellation just that soundbite that we played of dana that's going everywhere luke this 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 is good this is a good it's not a bad thing marketing wise this is a good thing um even the, you know, the corrupted gas station uh, pro wrestling heart of mine is pumping a little harder with anticipation of this. I know this bullshit means nothing to you, but I'm feeling yes. it, Luke. Yeah, I'm not feeling any of this. I find it stupid and, and, and uh, a distraction for morons. But, you know, <laughs> I'm in a mood today. I'm in a mood today, bitches. Yeah, yeah. But in any event, do I agree that it will add intrigue? Possibly. The only thing that I do think is kind of interesting, the only part is that my man Hamzat is wired a bit, or wound, I should say, a bit too tight. And I don't know what that will mean for Fight Night. I'm, we're going to talk about X's and O's here in just a minute. I am still predicting him by a wide margin. It's not that. But the, here's what I will say, BC. He fought undisciplined in many ways against Gilbert Burns. You, he can probably fight undisciplined against Nate and still beat him, but you just act wild and undisciplined, either in the street or in the octagon, enough and it will come back to bite you, whether oh, it's yeah. this Saturday or some other time. I don't know. You also gas because you know using that much emotion is that's why fighters try to do the opposite and be you know emotionless cyborgs in there to that regard. Uh, Luke, the other pieces of fallout is there is a video lingering of Darren Till and Kevin Holland arguing over what happened backstage, and Till, who of course trains with Chimaev, basically being like, you know, what the hell are you doing? It's this guy's getting ready for a fight. Um, this is pretty aggressive behavior, it would seem, from Kevin Holland. And and to be honest, when Kevin Holland sat down for the, you know, media uh, proceedings the day before, the the, the um, press conference that each fighter does, there was really more talk about uh, Chimaev than there even was about his opponent, Daniel Rodriguez. Is this a a, a right strategy for Holland, who is, like, always trying to make as much noise as possible, even in the middle of a fight, uh, to try to attach himself to Chimaev in hopes of, you know, uh, a big fight and big opportunity down the road. Well, this is what I mean about, like, Kevin Holland. It's like, how is he always involved in these crazy-ass incidents? I don't know, but he's always involved in crazy-ass incidents. In this case, I think it was a lack of discretion that brought him into it. I don't know that the people randomly shooting in the sushi bar he's in he has anything to do with, but... Uh, I'll say this. I saw some folks afterwards being like, well, we should we they booked the wrong fights. Right? The right fight to make was Tony versus Nate. Tony Ferguson versus Nate Diaz. The other right fight to make was Chamaya versus Holland. Yeah. And then you could have done uh the Leech versus whoever's left over. I'm not thinking about it at this point. But you get the idea. Like they made the wrong fights. Something to be said for that, as a matter of fact. Like they're just more appropriate ones you still could have gotten a lot of the same out of that they didn't make. Interestingly enough, I'm glad to see, by the way, Tony Ferguson not involved in any of this nonsense. His name has not been brought up once. That is a good thing to see. More no, mature he, and certainly... Uh, he uh, went out uh, and played up the crowd, too, after the thing got canceled. It was, exactly. it was great to see Tony, you know, hailed as the hero, and he's, he looked loose and all that. Oh, so it would have been it would have been D-Rod versus um, Li Jing Lang. E either yes. way, or if like, you can even make that fight, but you get the idea. Like, that... There was just a... The whole thing is just kind of weird, and it's created a bizarre and heightened level of antagonism in a bunch of different directions. I saw the video that you're talking about where Till was speaking to Kevin Holland. And later on, you see Daniel Rodriguez walk by and then dap uh, Holland up. Like, the guy he's <laughs> actually fist fighting, 
those dudes are boys. Like, they wouldn't even any problem at all. And until, to his credit, was playing Peacemaker from what I could tell. But, you know, it's just a lot of dudes in their 20s with a little bit too much testosterone at the present moment. All right, final piece on this brawl, Luke. Uh, Who is this fighter-turned-manager Tiki that everybody's talking about? Tiki Gosen. Tiki Gosen fought in the UFC for a while. He fought. He has a famous knockout loss, sadly, uh, for him, to uh, Robbie Lawler. Um, He used to dye his goatee. Like with blonde stripes in it. He oh, was pretty, that's he was that pretty dude. dude. Okay, because right away I'm like, I don't know if I fully recognize that name. That okay, I yeah. got it now. Yeah, Tiki fought for a he fought in WEC for a while as well. Uh, guy, I think out of the you know uh, he was affiliated with a lot of different fighters in the California, I think Southern California area, and now he manages. He manages like I think TJ Dillashaw and some other ones as well. So he's done well for himself, uh, and he manages Rampage um, as well. So well, look, he got you know, heavily involved in this. And Dana White even told reporters afterwards, quote, if it wasn't for Tiki, we would have been in trouble. Tiki took a couple for the team, and he's not even on the team. Tiki took a couple water bottles to the head, a couple slaps, a kick. Thanks, Tiki. Uh, can we get a Nelk Boys bag uh, ordered up here, Luke, and ready for, for Tiki? Can we please? Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be nice. All right. Uh, Luke, topic two is the reason why we're actually here. It's who's going to win this fight, how and why. The main event of UFC 279, Hamza Chimaev, Nate Diaz. As we stand now, minus 1,150. Chimaev, your overwhelming favorite from our friends at Caesar Sportsbook, plus 750 for Nate Diaz. Okay, Luke, all this BS as we talked about. Uh, Hamza is not only getting center stage opportunity headlining his first pay-per-view, he's you know, being given this old name to potentially slay and become a superstar. He's got to fight off all these people trying to make their name off of him. He's also got to fight off the pressure that comes with this. He has seen and felt unflappable, unbreakable. But as it pertains to the strategy here, we do have to address this one question. One that we asked earlier, will any of this mental stuff fatigue him and change him? But most importantly too, Luke, is Chumayev the absolute force of nature that we think he is, which would make a minus 1,050 line be ridiculous but somehow make sense? Or did Gilbert Burns last time out expose, humanize? Is there any chance we are potentially overrating this, this force of nature from Chechnya who pairs ready to beat anyone at any weight? Yeah, of course we are. I mean, I'm not saying we are overrating him. Sorry, let me be very clear. Is there a chance that we're overrating him? Yeah, there's probably a very decent chance we're overrating him. I mean, the dude had the most insane early run in UFC where in his first, what, four fights, he absorbed a total of one significant strike. You know, going up there in, in two different weeks and two different weight classes and blowing through people and then knocking out Mearshard and then controlling the leech like he was nothing, like... The guy has obviously done in crazy, impressive things, and we're going to have the hyperbolic sense of his identity. This is what the fight game ultimately is built off of. This is what the fans expect from media, by the way. They want us to talk about these guys like we're talking about the fucking Avengers, you know, because yeah. they are promoted in this way. The fans see them in this way. Sometimes, even as media, we get caught up in this bullshit, too. So, like, here's a real scenario that we should think about. There is a very likely possibility that... Chemayev goes in there and wins, of course, and controls Diaz, of course, and it is what it is. And, you know, it's a beating, but it's not like all that bad. You know, like, that's all Chemayev really had. Like, I thought he was going to go in there and then destroy the guy. All he did was put a, you know, a solid, well, it's a five-round fight, but, you know, the, the feeling you would get from a good 30-27 or something like that, or in this case, 50-45. That'd be, it would be a blanking, and it would be an obvious win, but it, would, would it meet, to your point, 
those expectations? No. no, of course it wouldn't. Like, Chemayev doesn't just have to win here, right? He can't just eek by and get the W. He has to go in there and justify all of this insane fucking hype, and he's got to go in and put the beat down on him. So, like, am I saying that Chemayev is nervous? No. But I am saying that, dude, he is wound too tight. You should not be going to the PI and focusing your attention on fucking Paulo Costa in another weight class like you're not even really competing in at the moment, which is just this bizarre. It wasn't even because he was with Jake Shields, who's Nate Diaz's boy. It was just about Paulo Costa. And then all the shit yesterday and everything else, and you, we can go down the line. Like, I do think he's feeling the pressure. I do think that, like, all of the weight of the world, like, he's aware of it, and he's going to meet it with rage, and that should be enough to give Nate Diaz a solid beating. But you're asking, are we potentially overrating him? Dude, like, there is so much pressure on Hamzat to be the boogeyman, and no mortal can actually meet up with that in all likelihood. Certainly, I would say, not over time. No, I, I agree with that, and, and you're right. There's no way he's as good as his victories have teased before the Gilbert Burns fight. I mean, you know, I think Johnny Walker recently, although I do think Chemayev is looking much more a sure thing than someone like Johnny Walker is now, but... You know, like you, when you're that spectacular, how can you live up to that? How can you do that again as it gets harder and harder? And now you're fighting well-rounded, complete killers. Or in this case, you're fighting somebody innate who has all the wily veteran intangibles jacked up to full power that if you're not the real, then suddenly this does potentially become the wrong man to be in there with. But let's talk specifically about the mindset for Chemayev and how that might apply to his strategy because, Luke, I do agree with his comments that I'm sure there was pressure on him in that Gilbert Burns fight with the, that level close-up he had to show people that even more than showing them that he's the next big title threat, showing them that he's an absolute badass and savage. We can obviously sit here and say, was that the best strategy or use of his abilities? No, it wasn't. But I believe him in the sense that the areas that he may look exposed or humanized I think were a lot of his own doing. Now, that doesn't mean, I mean, Gilbert fought his ass off. And by the way, there's a hipster argument that Gilbert kind of got jobbed on the scorecards in terms of if you really look at the way at each of those rounds. But I think Hamzat did that because he wanted to. But now we're talking about the pressure on his shoulders being double, triple, quadruple. Because even if you're saying, Luke, he shouldn't get caught up in that other stuff, he lives a life of a different code, as most fighters do. But for him, I mean, feel like it's even deeper, given his background and growing up in a war-torn country. Like, he that's currency. He has to stand up to those guys and show them that he, you know, that he's legit in his eyes. And so I don't hold that against him because you know the beast these guys have to be. But doesn't this mean he may have more pressure on him than the pressure he put on himself against Burns? to go and fight in a manner that isn't the perfect use of his skills, to go in there and exactly what Nate Diaz wants him to do, get into a brawl with him. There's a lot of pressure on him because your point about the 50-45, if he wins this fight with a combination of wrestling and distance jabbing, he's not going to get the credit. That that That's not the way you're going to get credit in this fight. You're going to get credit in this fight by being the monster UFC is saying you are by giving you this fight and this opportunity, which, again, on its basis is kind of grimy matchmaking. Do you think Hamzat Chemaev and his team are going to be able to dial down his emotions enough to execute a game plan that doesn't involve toe-to-toe, absolute balls-out warfare? Well, that's the other part, too. It's like, you know, you can listen to his corner scream at him in the burns fight be like what the fuck are you doing bro get, like, fight normal like this is crazy you're fighting this way and you know whether he listened is 
So you listened a little bit, obviously, but not not nearly enough. I mean, I think he's torn here, right? Because on the one hand, you can see that he's just got this fire in him, which is good, but the fire remains in many ways uncontrolled, which is not good for any number of reasons. And yet at the same time, I think that they, do, they don't want to commit some of the same errors of the Gilbert Burns fight, which, which was in, in key spots, just fighting utterly undisciplined. I mean, think about it. If... If a guy, I mean, here's the tightrope that Hamzat has to walk. He has to go in there and blow this fucking guy out, which he is more than capable of doing, right? It's not like he can't do it. I think we all agree he could and is likely to. But he has to walk a tightrope where he's got to blow this guy out and at the same time not be so undisciplined as to open the door. Because let's think about it for a second. What's really the, what's, what's, what's Nate Diaz's best path to victory? It's taking advantage of a Hamzat mistake. Right? It's not going to be taking Hamzat down. It's not going to, in all likelihood, it's not going to be out grappling him. There could be something to be said for what's happening on the feet, but I just think the volume and the chin and the relative youth of Hamzat is going to make that probably not as important as folks might imagine. Again, over time, it could be a problem, but you know, in, in key spots, I don't suspect that it will be. Like you're, Nate Diaz's best hope here is getting this guy to make a mistake and to take advantage of it. When Kurt Pellegrino made a mistake, taking advantage of it. That's really his best choice. So Hamzat has to be able to be ferocious and tenacious enough to do bad things to Nate without going into the undisciplined territory. That's not as easy as I think folks might imagine it to be. Like the superiority of Hamzat is pretty well obvious, but how he manages that in conjunction with all of his priorities, I don't think is necessarily all that easy to hand out. So like, what do I think he'll do? I think he'll be reckless and like crazy at first. And then I think he'll be instructed by his corner to dial it back. And whether he will, your guess is as good as mine, BC, truly. No, you're right. And I and we are, you know, I think smartly sort of taking these things that could actually affect the outcome and playing them up here. But there are still some superpowers left in Diaz. And, you know, you'll get some hipster people making a, taking a gamble and going, you know, this is the ultimate Nate Diaz victory waiting to happen, right? It's different than his UFC 196 upset of Connor, but... You know, not that different in a lot of ways. This is what he does. He almost just did that to Leon Edwards in round five, and now Edwards is the champion. So it's it's not as if he has no chance, but his chances have to improve no matter what foundational baseline you start his chances at if this fight goes into rounds four and five. Chemayev went the distance for the first time in his 11-bout pro career uh, last year against, or, or when he when he fought Gilbert Burns, that this year or last year, uh, my you know the timeline is losing me here. But Luke, the yeah. rest of his career before that, all first and second round finishes. Not only are we asking him to go five for the first time with all this added pressure, you're asking him to go against a guy who doesn't go away unless you know you can cut him bad enough, or unless you know you're Josh Thompson and you land that head kick. If if Nate Diaz still has one thing, it's it's you know the stubborn toughness to be around late in this fight if it gets there. How much it, will the pendulum of, of of advantage shift in Nate's factor if it goes there, Luke? So you're saying past the third, basically? Yes. So someone asked me about this on my live chat yesterday. I'm actually glad you brought this up. It's an important conversation about like there's a there's a narrative that like the later the fight goes, the better it gets for Nate, which I think is somewhat. Actually, I think it's very overstated. Um, he, it's not like he's got like a. There's not a lot of proof that in championship rounds he like you know uh, consistently rallies or that the performance kind of starts slow and then really escalates. Like for example, when Max Holloway is dealing, 
yes, it actually is true that his fourth round is much better than his first. He can go out there and really put it on people in that way. Um, it's that's just not true for Nate. Now, I do think Nate has good cardio. I think the way to understand Nate's advantages, such as they exist late, is that um, you know there will be accumulated damage that could potentially slow him. But one, I don't think it would mentally deter him. I think his presence of mind late is actually pretty good. And so what I would say is it doesn't necessarily elevate him from whatever his baseline performance is. But for the amount of damage that he sometimes takes at this stage of his career, though the bloody face, the scar tissue, and beyond that, leg kicking, whatever, it doesn't it doesn't meaningfully lower what he's able to do in the fourth and fifth like it would be for a lot of other fighters who have a natural and understandable drop-off the longer a fight tends to go. Again, there are obviously exceptions here or there, but as a general rule, that's pretty true. It's less true for him in that sense. He is still a threat. But this idea that like he comes back to life in that way in the fourth and fifth is just a, it's a bit of a Diaz myth that his supporters well, believe without a ton. Run down the evidence, BC. Okay. Show me in the, hold on, hold on, let me just state it out to you very clearly and you can take over. Show me the late round fights that he has where he has mustered truly his better performance. Okay. You painted uh, an accurate picture that the myth that if it goes into four and five, the whole setup I just gave you, that it's automatically slam dunk in, in Diaz's favor. You're right. You look at the stats. He's 0-3 in five-round fights, the title loss to Benson Henderson, the rematch with Conor McGregor, and just recently against Leon Edwards. But the just recently against Leon Edwards is the most recent Nate Diaz that we have footage of. And against a guy who's now we found out championship material he was able to linger, not get down, none of that. And as long as, you know, there's not the type of damage like in the BMF fight with the New York Commission, Luke, he's still pretty damn dangerous in round five because he just freaking showed us that against yes. an elite. So yes. it's so, so over the course remember of Remember my argument. My argument was not that he gets whatever his baseline performance is. My argument is that there's not a tremendous drop off. He's right. still pretty dangerous. He's still pretty dangerous. I think you would agree with that. My only point is, like, this idea that there's an escalation in danger in fourth and five, that's when he really gets cooking, that is overstated. Definitely. And if in, in there, the, the best way for Nate to take advantage and win late would be if Chemayev gassed out or, you know, if, if Chemayev's in a, in a boss position on the ground and Nate can turn it into a submission. So in thought of that scenario, Luke, wouldn't the best way for Chemayev to mix the aggression, that's probably, you're right, he's probably going to come out very aggressive, whether, you know, whatever that's Hot. fueled by, all things that are coming together. But is there a way he can use that with technique leaning on his strengths? Meaning, what if his sole focus coming out of the bat is taking Nate down and constantly attempting damaging ground and pound? Could that be a thing where he, you know, builds a big lead, you know, maybe cuts Nate is that a potential one-sided avenue to victory that, that really, at the end of the line, could be the most realistic? This is from our friend um, from Fightmetric, Richard Mann. This is the biggest thing. He has a whole column on this, but this is the piece that I took from him. Quote, one of the biggest factors working against Diaz in this fight is the fact that he struggles when opponents control him. I think we all know that, but listen to these numbers. During his UFC career, he has been held in control positions by opponents for 28% of his total fight time. That is high. At times, this has drastically limited his ability to land striking offensive distance and, of course, everything else. Diaz has been controlled for over 50% of the fight time in seven UFC fights. Not surprisingly, he has had a losing record in these fights, a 2-5 and five record. In fact, he is 6-9 and nine when, allowing, when, when, when his opponents control at least 15% of the fight. And his takedown defense is obviously a liability. He allows opponents to land 2.68 takedowns 
per 15 minutes. There are currently only five ranked fighters with worse takedowns uh, defense rates than that. Jemaya has landed 3.23 takedowns per 15 minutes, and he has managed to score a takedown in all of his UFC fights that lasted longer than 17 seconds. Yeah, dude, this is going to be how the fight's going to play out at first. I, I largely suspect he's going to go in there, he's going to wrap up with him, he's going to take him down, and he's going to put a beating on him. And if I'm Hamzat Jemaya, that might be good enough itself to score a stoppage. Who's to say? But to your point, BC, you got to go right for the scar tissue. You got to yes. open him up right away. It's going to cause problems. Not so much for Diaz's morale. Getting back to that Diaz thing, not so much for the morale, but for whatever capability he has, that will hamper it. Certainly, he could get the doctors involved. And and we go back to that situation where this tightrope that that Hamzat has to walk between being this dynamic force of nature but not being undisciplined. I think one way to thread that needle is you got to cut Nate open and make him just look like a disaster, right? What do the picture show? What do the highlights show when this fight is over? If you see Diaz covered in a mask of his own blood, not that that's new, but you can check that off the box. What you don't want is after five rounds, Diaz looks, you know, like a little bit like he's been in a fist fight or whatever, but nothing too bad. No, you want Diaz to physically look fucked up from this. I think the ground control comes natural at Shemaev, and the ground and pound thereafter should be a big help in that. Dude, regard. those Richard Mann stats are damning in light of, of the potential of what Hamzat can do. Um, so then you look at, okay, you don't have to necessarily dial down the aggression you showed against Gilbert, but definitely the plan of attack and the strategy because, it, you know, he purposely didn't shoot and just made that mostly a stand-up war. Um, the advantage is really going to swing if he does, you know, a better mixture. Is Nate's history... Does Nate have... Good t- takedown defense in your eyes. Is it overrated? No. How do, what do the statistics say? Yeah, no, he doesn't have great takedown defense at all. Um, not that I think it's ever been a key feature of his game. Like, Yeah, he pulls guard like crazy. We, we went through the resume review. Yeah, or or guys shoot on him, and then he just uses it to attack a sub where like he didn't really defend the takedown. He kind of just went with the guillotine. So situations like that. But like wrestling for wrestling, I mean, go back to the two welterweight fights that are probably going to be relevant to this one that he had after the Rory Markham and after the Marcus Davis fight, which we talked about in resume review, namely, again, Don Kong Kim and Rory McDonald. What did they do? What position did they find themselves in from the back, elevating, Matt returning, or outright suplexing him constantly over and over and over again? I think you're going to see a lot of those kinds of positions here. I think you're going to see Hamzat go in, shoot a double, turn the corner. Nate just it's, it doesn't have the wrestling ability in that way. And again, I want to be clear. The idea that Nate can't fight at welterweight is overstated. Again, as a general rule, it's overstated. But against strong grappling type guys at 170, yes, he is outgunned there physically in a big way. I think that'll play a real big part in this. Yeah, that's why in resume review, I was always trying to point out, you know, when he's got that extensive height and reach advantage, which has been upwards of five and six inches in each category for the big uh, fights there at lightweight, when that closed at welterweight, it, you know, and the other guy was skilled enough and tough enough, I mean, it's it's different. And Hamzat is a massive welterweight. So, yeah, the you know, that's where the odds swing against him. If you're telling me you guarantee this fight goes to the fourth and fifth rounds, uh, you know, I'm going to believe without knowing what the first three look like that Nate has a shot. But if the cuts are, are pretty bad, dude, they're not going to let that go too long for a 37-year-old, even though it's not in the state of New York this time, which might have had a quicker hook for obvious reasons. It, it Boy, does Nate need to avoid that. So, Luke, if also, Hamzat... I would just, dude, I would just say if this fight goes to the fourth and fifth rounds, that's a bad sign for Hamzat. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. You got Hamzat ranked number two going up against a guy who we all respect in Nate Diaz, but is unfucking ranked Unranked. You should polish him off inside three. 
I really believe that. You should polish him up. This isn't Gilbert Burns who trained like a motherfucker. Okay, but Nate's otherworldly tough, so don't overlook that, okay? He is otherworldly tough, but dude, he's 37. We're talking about him being grossly outmatched. The guy has very specific strengths against the very specific weaknesses that Nate has. You mean to tell me you can't get past that guy in 15 minutes? You should be able to get past a guy like that in 15 minutes. If you have that much relative ability against his relative weaknesses... You're that much younger. It's the, it's, it's the lower of the two weight classes. We know his power carries up to 185 in the case of Hamzat. Yeah, dude, it shouldn't go to the fourth round. It really shouldn't. Whatever you want to say about Nate. It, not the, by the way, not to say it won't, but that would be, a, to me, I don't know, something of a bad sign if I'm if I'm Hamzat. No, no question about that. So if Hamzat does this plan of attack and it succeeds, and let's say he gets a stoppage due to cuts from just massive ground and pound, Dude, this is such a huge close-up opportunity to the masses. First pay-per-view main event, but now you're adding in the catnip of the backstage brawl, even though it wasn't started or really involved Nate all too much from what we know. Um, if he does that, he's going to be looked like as an evil Habib, like a Habib who also can, you know, stand with you. I mean, he's going to look like an absolute robocop of a superhero monster. Uh, this really could be that, Luke. But what about the flip side? I mean, if Nate pulls the upset, it's hard to really try to guess where that would be ranked historically, especially, you know, if he rallied back and did it the Nate Diaz way. But is there, I mean, what's more likely here, that we get a moral victory from Nate through just being a tough ass, or that we get, you know, whether it's Hamzat trying the Stockholm slap that we see him warming up with on Embedded, Nate, Nate's got to exit this even in defeat with a Nate moment, right? There's got to be a street victory for Nate in this bout somewhere. He cares about that, Luke. Yeah, I think, you know, Leon Edwards, he was able to salvage that. There's been some other moments as well. I think if he just goes out there and just gets pounded on and treated like, you know, um, um, Rise McKee, right? One of the, or Reese McKee, however you pronounce his name, from the, who he fought Hamza did on Fight Island, where, you know, it's just this one way, almost unforgettable, like, oh, excuse me, uh, unmemorable you know, ass whipping, that would be kind of bad. I still think that, like, here's the reality, dude. Like, I saw Kimbo slice, and I saw the bubble around him created, and I saw it burst. And the reality is it didn't burst as hard as you might imagine, although it did burst. But the, re the reality was, we talked about this. This is still true for today. Kimbo slice is the most popular fighter in Bellator history, and not even by a little bit, by a fucking lot, right? I mean, by a long shot, because passions for these kind of guys, especially these guys who have, like, this man-of-the-people street vibe, which Nate Diaz does... A, a bad loss wouldn't really dramatically tarnish it. And again, he's kind of expected to lose. But to your point, to get a moral victory, to get something to hang your hat on, you know, I think taking Hamza out the distance would be that. Um, you know, not getting beat up super bad would be that. And obviously, if he can find a way to manage to win, which would be incredible, I would put that BC probably top three at worst, top five all time UFC upsets. Yeah, if, if it, Nate Diaz won, it would have to. It really would have to be. The hype here is massive. So I want to get to Nate's future because that's a big theme in here, obviously. But for Hamzat's future, is there any other fight that would be warranted with a victory in which he looks every bit the deal that we think he could be? Is the title shot against the winner of a potential Usman Edwards uh, rematch the trilogy the only acceptable fight next? Probably. Probably. I'm trying to think of who else it might be. I mean, listen. If... Sean Brady goes in there and does something unbelievable to Muhammad Bilal. They Muhammad might Bilal. match. 
What? What am I? What do I? What? Uh, Bilal King, Muhammad. What am I saying? King yeah, Bilal, remember the name. Remember King the name. Bilal, sorry. Yeah. I mean, remember so the name. About, please. I was thinking, yes. I was thinking about. I was thinking about Muhammad uh, Lawal, King Mo. Sorry, Bilal Muhammad. I apologize. But if he goes in there, and does something incredible to him, maybe they could do something with that. Colby is kind of hanging out there. No. The Colby one is the X factor, right? Colby is an X factor. I agree. Colby is. Yeah, because there's still like that. He needs a fight. And by the way, if again, if Diaz makes. Hamzat look, you know, not pedestrian, but not exactly like this overwhelming, terrifying force of nature. There might be some clamoring for that, I think. There really might be. Um, so that that's the X factor. But if he goes in there and does, you know, just absolutely mauls him and it's effortless, probably a title shot is next. Yeah. All right. The the theory or the the narrative around Nate and his last fight and his deal, we we debated Wednesday. Some people didn't like my take. Uh, was Nate playing negotiations with his answers, or what was he was it just batshit crazy as it looked? Um, Nate is pretty smart dude. So here's what he said in Wednesday's chat uh, at the press conference with the media about what's next. Quote, I feel like the UFC, it's kind of limited for me. I wanted to reach for higher goals, higher objectives, and do bigger stuff than this. Under the UFC umbrella, like I said, you're limited. You can only go so far. Like I said, it's only the halftime show. It's time to blow past everybody here and the organization, even if it involves me staying in or going out. I'm going to do something bigger than I've ever done as soon as this is done. It'll be bigger than this, bigger than whatever happened in the past also. So it's a cryptic, confusing quote in which I was thinking, I mean, is he talking about Jake Paul or is he talking about launching his, you know, his new promotion, which you can argue, will there be market for this? It's a combat sports promotion of all different kinds. But then somebody brought up the idea of a movie about his life, Luke, and he closed that same chat with the with the media by saying, you know, you know, basically kind of confirming that something was there. Is this all this is, Luke? A movie about his life? What the what the hell is Nate talking about? I, I don't know. Uh, I think he just wa- uh, listen. Here's what I think Nate wants. Nate wants the freedom to test his value elsewhere. Yes. Right now, if he wins, we talked about this on Wednesday. I think it is very possible the UFC will back up the Brinks truck and do everything possible to retain him. I think it's highly unlikely that we're in that scenario, but should we find ourselves there, they're going to scramble. But in reality, what he really wants is at his peak of popularity or something pretty close to it, he wants to see what his value is on the outside world. And I think that's what all of this, I should say, that's what most of these roads lead us to. All right, there it is, Luke. Uh, let's go to topic three, which is the remainder of the UFC 279 pay-per-view card. Anything but stacked. We've been up and down on that. But certainly some key stories and really potential action fights that do jump off the screen on paper. In the co-main event, welterweights, the leech, Li Jianlang, a minus 305 favorite for a returning Tony Ferguson. I say returning for the first time since 2011 to the welterweight division where he won the tough tournament where he says he's 14 and two overall with a ton of stoppages. Luke, he'll be a plus 255 underdog, but obviously the biggest storyline in this fight is what at 37 riding a four fight losing streak, or I think it might even be 38. Two of those four losses by, you know, pretty demoralizing stoppages. What are your expectations that Tony can find new life here? Because I'm nervous for him. Maybe you can argue he deserves this chance, you know, for everything he's been through in the 12-fight win streak and all that. Uh, yeah, get, I mean, give me some comfort here heading into this welterweight showdown, Luke. No, I don't really have any to give you. Um, that is not me declaring that tomorrow will be a disaster. Again, none of us know the future. And 
you can say this, Tony changed things up with his camp, right? Going to Jackson Wink, trying to get some more, I think, a coordinated, observed process from other, you know, credentialed folks, which is good. Um, he's changing weight classes, so he's cutting less less weight. That's good. Uh, and he's fighting a very tough guy, which is not great, but not so tough that you find the idea of winning impossible. But, I mean, here's what we keep coming back to, BC. A couple things. One, the Gaethje fight. I thought about it in real time. I think you can even go back and see the post-fight show I did. I was like, dude, that's a beating he might not recover from, and I don't think he ever recovered from it. And I don't think the guy who walked into that fight will ever come back through the door. It's not possible. You can't come out of a beating like that the same. It doesn't work that way. And then, you know, the, the Oliveira and Dariush fights weren't great, but he wasn't like, you know, so mauled. But then to get your lights completely put out against Chandler, I mean, what does the show? It shows that, that there's an escalation in yes. the kind of danger he's suffering. So it just doesn't give you a lot of great feelings. Plus, he's 38 years old, 38 in this weight class. Dude, like what would be the thing you would look at and say makes you feel good about Tony's chances just from a context standpoint? This is the other part, though, BC, that I think we really should be focusing on here. It's like Tony has a lot of skills, but let's be honest about this. If Tony fights, let's say, Leach tomorrow, the way he fought, I'll make up a name, RDA, or um, um, Lando Venata. Or how right? about every he, fight on the win streak, Luke? Every single fight he puts right. himself out there. I mean, you right. Know. And that's, that's my point. It's like, dude, you can't fight that. I mean, obviously, you, you can't be someone completely different, but you can't fight that way anymore. You have, like, look at Andre Arlovsky. He has managed to have this incredible longevity, not because he continued to fight the way he fought in his 20s and uh, most of his 30s, but because he really changed his style to be much more accommodating of slowing the fight down, taking less damage, sticking and moving. It's actually a pretty scalable thing and smart thing, although difficult to do thing, that he did. But it's a clear departure from the way in which he used to fight. I think if you don't see that from Tony, he has no real chance. And the other thing you have to ask yourself is like, okay, even if he can change his style, how winnable is that against a top 15 talent? It, 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 is, it is winnable in my mind, right? I, I think it'd be, it'd be a little bit silly to be like he can't win. But the things he has to overcome, not just in context, but in fight style, these are massive things to, to deal with. These are not small asks he is being tasked with. So it's an uphill climb for him to be very, very euphemistic. If he's going to fight the same style, he has to take too much damage to have success. It's it's not a winning uh, math experiment there, Luke. I feel bad. Could he win this? Yes. But the yes. Leech also could knock him the F out very early in this fight. The, uh, leech, Luke, the, the leech can get wild, too. Like, could you imagine a situation where the Leech rocks him and then follows up? Tony's got a good guard. Like, I can see Tony giving him problems like that. But, but you know, the Leech has a lot of fucking skills and a lot of heft for this weight class, too. And Leach is going to be extra hungry to uh, toll, toll out some damage here. Why, Luke? Because he bought himself a fine-looking suit for the press conference that never actually happened, Luke. Pobrecito. Look at Let's blow this up. This guy came to play in his close-up. I love it. Look at that swag. Yeah, Damn. Dude, those, look, at, look at those glasses, bro. I see glasses like that in Cartagena all the time. Dude, he's going for it right here. He almost looks like Paulo Costa, Luke. A little bit, a little bit. My man is out here living his best life with that fucking suit on. He didn't even get a chance to show it off, so hopefully he can uh, get a chance on Saturday at some yeah. point. But, um, yeah, I feel bad for him. How yeah. much do you think that suit costs? What, two grand? Maybe uh, more? 
probably four thousand. Yeah, probably less than five though, right? No, no more than five grand. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, Luke, we talked about Kevin Holland a lot in the uh, greater backstage kerbuffle with uh, Team Chimaev and then Team Diaz. But he's got a pretty damn big fight at welterweight as he continues his reinvention from moving down from middleweight. He's going to be a minus 200 favorite, Kevin Holland, when he welcomes D-Rod Daniel Rodriguez, plus 170 underdog. But if you look at the totality here, yes, D-Rod coming off a, I think it was a 13-month layoff due to the, the hand injury he suffered, but he's like 12-1 and one going back to 2017. He's on a hell of a run. 30, what is he, 33 years, 35 years old. Not young here, Luke, but the most recent D-Rod we have seen has been the best version of him. This is now a Kevin Holland who, damn, does he look re-energized at this division. There is a scenario where Holland uses his wrestling big time, of course. But isn't the tea leaves telling you this is going to be the war we, we hope and expect it is, Luke? I actually feel like this fight could be very, very close. Over five rounds, I would pick Kevin Holland much more comfortably. Over three, I'm not so sure. For all the things we've said about Kevin Holland going from 185 to 170 BC, and I think you would agree he's much better suited here than he is at 185 pounds. Uh, but, you know, he's obviously more physical. I thought, you know, he obviously can make better use of his reach and whatnot. Like, there's just a lot that you like about him at 170. But, dude, one thing that we have noticed for him in a lot of fights, and in particular the last couple that you've seen, is that he starts real slow, Rick, real slow. Daniel Rodriguez, you could say he doesn't have necessarily the same striking, I don't know, resume or something in the same way that, um, that D-Rod does, but... Dude, he gets off to a slow start, and D-Rod doesn't. Like, he's dialed in from the word go. Now, he's not red hot. He takes some time to get going as well, but I just feel like he's going to be making the adjustments and, like, applying what, what this, how this fight is supposed to look earlier. I suspect that early, Kevin Holland is going to have to be fighting out of a deficit. At least there's a, there's a decent possibility that that will be the case. And so, like, the second round will be very important as, as the third. I, I, I think this will probably go the distance. I don't think either guy is going to get... I, I, don't, I don't know what the, the betting odds on that are, so... Um, you know, perhaps I'm totally out of my mind, but that's just the way that I feel right now. Minus and 200, so, Holland minus 200, Rodriguez plus 170. Yeah, but to go the distance, what's the betting odds on that? Good call. I don't have that information yeah. in front of me. Um, yeah, so, so but oh, the, only, the only thing I'm saying is you can, you can hedge, BC, and maybe if you disagree, tell me that you think Kevin Holland's a better striker, maybe even overall a better fighter, right? A little bit, you can say that. But D-Rod is, to your point, coming into his own, I think will take command of the fight earlier than Holland will. And that itself could be just enough to upset the apple cart here because the difference is noticeable, but not extraordinary. A little bit of change in the variables, you get a change in the result. Yeah. Luke, D-Rod's got a bunch of combate fights under his belt. Uh, we don't talk, we talk a lot about people that have transitioned from, you know, Dana White contender series to the UFC, but this was a, a, a combate success story here. I guess, yeah. Okay, there you go. Uh, Luke, I think this will be the fight of the night. I think this is going to steal our hearts. But the 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 sense of that first question I tossed out still applies to the X's and O's here. If Holland has consistent takedown success here, and by the way, I think the best part of his transition to welterweight was that he brought that gas tank with him. He can be, you know, it hasn't sacrificed. He's, he's going to be on you and after you. It could be a much different fight than this wet dream I've got here, Luke, of these two throwing down for 15 minutes. Uh, how much do you expect Holland to have success uh, with, with the double leg here or running that pipe if necessary? Um, I think it's possible, but not super likely. I tend to think that he's going to get mixed up in the clinch a lot. 
I tend to think at obviously at range is where most of this fight will be contested. Um, if it gets if it goes to the wrestling, I actually feel like it's Daniel Rodriguez who might be pursuing that. But I do suspect a good portion of it will be in the clinch because they're they're they're, they're going to be clashing with forward pressure into each other way too often for that not to happen. That may end up being a bit of a deciding factor. And, and Holland can be surprisingly good there. He can be vulnerable there, but he can be really, really uh, dy- dynamic there as well. He's very much, you know, uh, Two-Face in that sense, all right? Who is it? Uh, Harvey Dent. He's Harvey Dent in that way, right? So, yeah. um, so it would be interesting to see, but this is what I mean. I think Holland has the skill to be better over the course of the fight, but if Rodriguez takes command of it early and then consistently enough, and forces Holland to fight out of a more disciplined uh, deficit. We shall see. Dude, if D-Rod wins, it's going to be spectacularly in the midst of a damn firefight. I think that you know that. You know that to be true. And, you know, on a night where we're saying goodbye potentially to Nate Diaz in the UFC, you know, D-Rod was asked about that. Even though he's from L.A. and not Stockton, he's been influenced heavily by the brothers. And he he's going to come, Luke. You know, he sat out watching this division grow while he was hurt. He's going to bring it, but if Holland can mix the wrestling, man, I, I, I get him being the favorite here. Luke, can, is there any scenario in which Holland, if he wins one side and then spectacularly, can now enter the Hamzat conversation based on all the shit we saw this week? No, right? No? Wait, say it again? Is there a scenario in which Holland dominates, wins by stoppage, calls out Chemayev again on the microphone, and then while we wait for the trilogy of Edwards and Usman, he ends up getting a, a, a Hamzat fight based on the beef between them? Yeah, that's I mean, not in I play, think, right? I think, yeah, I think that's all pretty unlikely. Okay, thank you. I needed to get that covered and, and sealed. All right, Luke, uh, interesting women's bantamweight tilt on the main card. Irene Aldana, minus 180 favorite against Macy Chazon, plus 155 as the underdog. But Luke, although Aldana had her... Seemingly built rise to the title, uh, snuffed out by Hallie Holmes. She rebounded nicely. She's got one strike finishing power in the hands, uh, one punch power, no question. Does this feel like a potential, hey, if Irene gets the W, she would be next for the 135 belt? Irene. Irene. Yeah, I know. What's the real pronunciation? I I definitely didn't do this. It's definitely Irene. Irene. E-N-A, okay. The I is pronounced like an E in Spanish, and so that's the E, and then Re-Ne, Irene. Irene. Not Irene, Irene. You have to you have to flip the tongue from the back of the mouth to the front on their R's. We don't say we we say our R's differently than them. At what age will Tuki be able to be almost like the you know on the Dan Levitar show how he had his dad? Tuki will be there just to correct correct our Spanish on the name. That'd be awesome. Bro, she's already she came home the other day and looked at my wife who had like a green sweater on or a green shirt on, and she goes, "Oh, me gusta tu camiseta verde." And I, a verde, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like she's yeah. putting sentences together. Oh, she's yeah. going to be better by by I, two years. Her, her Spanish will be better than mine, guaranteed. Like it, it's already getting pretty good. If she marries a gringo, will she, will she be will that man be accepted in your family? Depends on the gringo. Okay. It? All right. Depends on the gringo. More to um, come. Stay tuned, folks. Stay yes, tuned. Yes, more to come. But the point I wanted to say was, I, I, I think for Aldana, yes, fresh contender. Uh, by the way, Holland fights a catchweight fight. He weighs in at 179.5 here from our uh, intrepid producer, who will be giving us updates on the weigh-ins yeah, here live. J- just to point on that, D-Rod said that he asked for a catchweight because he got the fight on two weeks' notice. He didn't think yes. that UFC would say yes, and then they did. So And then they did, yes. And by the way, here's a rule for just, I, I'm, I'm sure that you know, Rodriguez is a good professional. I'm sure he'll make weight. 
But the number one thing you can do with the UFC is if you take a fight on short notice and then don't make weight, they'll cut your ass for that. They will fucking cut Damn. your ass for that. Like they are. Demarquez Johnson is a perfect example of that. Um, in any event, you're asking about Aldana. Aldana, I think, yes, she has an exciting style. She she has, um, I wouldn't call it a blood or gut style, but it's reliably active. It's reliably, in, in many ways, for the excitement factor. There's a degree of vulnerability with it, plus another Mexican. They're trying to build that market. She's a Mexican national, right, coming from a great team. So I tend to think if she gets this win, now obviously she's only got, she had the Holly Holm loss previously, but she beat Vanessa Mello, Ketlin Vieira, lost to home, but then beat Kunitskaya, a great win over Kunitskaya. You beat someone like Macy Chiasin, again, I'm starting to mispronounce her last name, Chiasin. You get a win over someone that good, that credentialed, that talented. Yeah, I think that could do wonders for you. So um, hard to say exactly, BC, but I do think she'll get a title shot here. She has not a win per se, but a strong performance. Yeah, and this is a matchup she, I think she can and should uh, win. I mean, Macy Chiasin, I believe is the pronunciation. Chiasin, yes. Has seemingly started to put things together, but this this, this is a matchup I, I, I like. Irene to win. Not Irene. Irene. You're saying it like E. Is re, it, is re, it ear ne. here or air hair? I never can get is it that. Is Bader right. Fader or Bador Fader? Bador Bador. There you go. You knew it. You just yeah. You knew it. All right, Luke. Uh, this fight. This fight. My. I think it's the the main card opener. And boy, is there combustible potential here at light heavyweight. Johnny Walker, who he really needs a win, guys. He does. He's lost four out of five. He has his transformation attempt under Coach John Cavanaugh has not provided immediate benefits. And he's going to be the underdog against Ian Kutelaba, minus 195. Luke Thomas, somebody's getting knocked out. Yeah, probably. I mean, this is okay. So he beat. So here is the run. Again, everyone knows it, but it's just worth going over. So um, he wins on the contender series, Johnny Walker. Then he beats Khalil Roundtree in a round. Justin Ledet in 15 seconds into round one. Then Misha Serkinov, 36 seconds into round one. We're like, dude, give this motherfucker a title shot. Yeah, against John Jones, by the way. At that yeah, point. then Corey Anderson bodies him. Then Krilov beats him. He gets the win over Ryan Spann, which was nice. But then Tiago Santos beats him in a terrible, boring fight. And then Jamal Hill polished him off inside of a round. Bro, he needs a win. Something fierce. Something fierce here. I mean, really, really badly. Um... And the thing is this, Kute Laba is like, you know, he's got the same, I'm, I mean, man, these fucking shorts, could they be worse right now? Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting here sitting on my balls for the last five minutes. It's the worst fucking feeling on earth. But the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that Kute Laba is now with Extreme Couture and has been for a little bit, but I know Eric Nixick is trying to take all of that fire, speaking of Hamzat, so that fire that Kute Laba has and then redirect it with a more focused approach. And so with that, we're going to see what we get, because if you get a more focused Kute Laba, he should beat Johnny Walker, to be quite honest with you. It's like what Johnny Walker has to me, like when he came out with that style where he was beating all those guys, the one thing you could say he was doing right was leveraging his, his athleticism and his length. He has not found a way to meaningfully do that since then. And I don't know how the best answer. I'm not his coach, but I think to beat a guy like Kute Laba, you would need to see some of that. Dude, Put the camera on BC. I gotta fix my. I'm, I'm just sitting. I'm just sitting on my my my, my jewels here. If this you forget terrible. how high the hype was for Johnny Walker after those trio of you know first round wins, the last two in like 20 seconds, 
Uh, we had Corey Anderson on Room Service Diaries, who's obviously going to be fighting for the Bellator light heavyweight title. Uh, you're going to see that episode coming up, in, I think, in a couple weeks. But, you know, he confirmed when he knocked out Johnny Walker in that fight, he was told beforehand that Walker would get the next title shot with a win. So yep. since then, you've not just seen regression and vulnerability to the big shot. I mean, even his one win in that stretch against Ryan Spann, he got knocked around early in that one. But, Luke, this attempts to, you know, domesticate him – it's 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 just changed him for all the wrong reasons. It's removed the the the, the danger, and it hasn't helped his focus. Look, I, he, I've said it before. After each of his last two defeats, he is who he is. You got to double down and just focus on the what makes him dynamic and dangerous, and just go for it. I, I really feel that I, he just is who he is, Luke. That's his yeah. best way well, like, to be now, dangerous. Now he's play. taken all of these da- this damage and been knocked out clean. Um, you know, uh, I mean, how many times has he been, he been knocked out clean? He got knocked out clean or pretty clean against Hill. He got knocked out super clean against Corey Anderson. Uh, who else flatlined him? Like where he just went completely backwards. I forget who that was, but um, you get the idea. Like it's happened a lot here. So you, now, now you're making those choices after all the damage he's taken. It's just not great. It's not a great yeah. scene. It's not a great look. And I still think it's fixable. It'd be crazy to write him off. He is athletic. He is he is lengthy. He's a big dude. I mean, you two hundred five, but you got to use that shit, bro. Now, to be fair, he, in the losses, four out of the last five, two were by decision, three rounds to Krylov, and five rounds to Tiago Santos. But you know, it wasn't like he was spectacular or having great moments in those fights. For the most part, he's thirty years old now. Uh, damn, man, uh, look, if he doesn't have the the potential threat of offensive wrestling to justify you know, someone having to be leery of it to open up more space for the type of highlight reel, you know, strikes, finishes that that he was known for early on, it's not going to work because he, you know, in his attempts to throw crazy shit, he puts himself open to be countered huge, which we've seen happen a lot. Well, you know, you can agree or disagree with my statement, basically that, you know, the way he can go the furthest is just by going balls out and guns out. The real answer is you got to add something else, but it hasn't stuck yet. You know, let's give SBG and John Kavanaugh time, I guess. But you're kind of running out of time here. Uh, a loss would look very bad. I mean, would a loss? Could you see him getting cut with a loss, Luke? Possibly. Yeah. I don't know what the state of his contract is. They may let him fight it out because they're going to go to Brazil soon, and they probably want as many, you know, big Brazilian names as they can. And I, I suspect he still has a bit of a fan base down there. So hard to say exactly on that on that level. But you know, if he gets flatlined again, right? Which, by the way, Kute Laba. Not exactly a soft touch kind of fighter. Who the fuck knows, man? Who the hell knows? This is a, you know, is it a must win in the sense to keep your job? I don't know. Is it a must win in the sense to show that, like, there's some life left in what you can do at 205? Like, 1 billion percent. Yes. So, Luke, Johnny Walker gave an interview with Trococo Franca. I don't know what outlet he's from, but, uh, or he or she is Portuguese is excellent. Yeah, it's great. He admitted this is this is oh that's MMAfighting.com. He yeah, admitted it's, it's to, Guillermo Cruz's uh, uh, all Portuguese podcast. Oh god, that's the name of the show. Okay, he admitted to accidentally poisoning himself for the last three years. Here's the quote: "I had no idea and only found out four or five months ago that CBD has a small amount of THC in it, a small percentage. But I'm extremely allergic to THC. It gives me psychophren- uh, psychophrenia." Panic attack, schizophrenia. Wow, Luke, I really, I really butchered that. It gives me schizophrenia, panic attack. I was getting drugged every single day for the last three years and didn't know. It's not strong. It's a small percentage, but my brain is super sensitive for those substances, and I didn't know, end quote. 
Wow, that's that's pretty scary, Luke, for three years. Yeah, I got to say, I mean, I'm not a doctor. And like if whatever his doctors have told him is certainly much more important than what I can say. But like the amount of THC and CBD, first of all, like the idea, first of all, CBD, the most overrated drug on earth. I mean, doesn't like the, the amount of hard data on what CBD does in terms of its benefits is grossly uh, overstated. Like there's Ask not much evidence that does fuck Luke. all. Yeah. 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 Uh, number, number one, but th that's the first problem. The second problem I, w I have is that like the amount of THC in CBD is like uh, in, very, 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 very little. Now I don't know. I don't know how much CBD he was taking. I don't know what kind of CBD he was taking. I don't know if, I don't know what he was doing, but like, I guess we'll see how he looks on Saturday, but I'm a little bit skeptical that that was really a meaningful thing holding him back. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, of all the things you could pinpoint, could that be a factor? Yes, certainly, of course. And again, th those kinds of medical decisions and evaluations can really only be made by doctors. I'm just spitballing like an asshole here. I'm yeah. just telling you that like, when I heard that, I'm like, mm, I don't, I, I would like to, I would like further Clarification is okay. Right. While you were spitballing, I was burping. I'm sorry if that came out on the air. It was you know it slipped through the cracks, Luke. Uh, either way, Johnny Walker really needs to come back and 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 show for himself here. You know I hope he does. But uh, Kutelaba is always angry, Luke, and boy does he bring the fight uh, when necessary. Are there any other fights that that, that you want to get into here, Luke? The rest of the way, it's there's really not much else to talk about unless I'm a uh, casual, Luke. Uh, there's not a whole lot, although uh, I did want to point out, um, God, there was one more. Oh, oh, Chris Barnett, Beast Boy, is on this card. The uh, the fat heavyweight who loves to yes. dance. Huggy Bear, he's on this card. Big against underdog. Jake. Big underdog here, Luke. Yes, uh, against Jake uh, Collier, so that's kind of interesting. Um, this dude, Turkali, Anton Turkali, who made his win on the Contender Series, which was not all that interesting, but he's undefeated. Um, he'll be on this card as well. I think there was, oh, Hakeem Duwadu taking on Julian Arosa. That's probably one of your better ones, certainly at 145 pounds. Hakeem Duwadu, a very good kickboxer, fantastic combinations. Julian Arosa, he can be up, he can be down. Coming off a two-fight win streak over Jordan and Steven Peterson. Um, I, he's very well-rounded. He's a gutsy kind of fighter. He goes for it. That should be, a, a Duwadu, I don't know what the odds are. He should win, but that one could be... Mm, kind of fun and, and all over the place as well. Also, should be noted there is a women's 145 fight on this card with Norma Dumont seven and two against Danielle Wolf, BC Daniel Wolf, who has a 27 and 14 pro boxing record. Only one MMA fight on her fucking record, which she won on the Contender Series. This will be her UFC debut. So kind of interesting there. Yeah, as well. definitely interesting. I didn't know this division was still active. Luke, good to see, you, right? Exactly, right. It it does exist. It, it does, does exist. exist. I uh, hope you enjoy that card. Will the fan, will the the MK listeners be getting a two seventy nine Luke Thomas instant reaction? Yes, I will be there. I will have a instant reaction. I'm getting a tattoo tomorrow, and On then what, uh, your after that, ass cheeks, Luke. Yes, I'm going to get both of my butt cheeks tattooed with uh, pictures of you laughing and going ho, 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 ho. <laughs> like a like a like a French sex pest, like David Appleton. To be fair, Luke. I'm going to get a French sex pest tattooed on my butt cheeks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Luke, topic four is this weekend in boxing. Now, let's start right here, Luke. R.I.P. the Queen at age 96. Queen I mean, Elizabeth. Who gives a shit? I the mean, second. Oh, come on, Luke. She, uh, I was walking on, the, on the, the famous Atlantic City boardwalk last night, Luke, and this, you know, possibly disheveled looking couple came up. And they're like, did you just hear about the Queen? 
And, you know, they were emotional about it, Luke. I didn't want to rain on their parade. but uh, I mean, listen, I'm not one of these people that's going to go out there and, like, I've got really strong feelings about, you know, the British colonial rule. I mean, not that I'm saying good things about it, but I didn't suffer from it. So I don't have, like, the people who suffered under it, they have strong opinions, whatever, that's them. But I'm not going to be one of these Americans who's, like, the palace intrigue of the British, you know, monarchy. I find it mostly fucking stupid. And, yeah, it's, you know, a woman died. I'm not celebrating it. But, like, do I give a shit? No, I don't give a shit. So you're not joining the insensitive social media people who are like, this is payback for Princess Di. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not doing all that nonsense. But, like, you want me to sit there and, like, shed tears and cry about it? Like, no, sorry. Like, well, Luke, the fallout in the UK from a sporting standpoint is that everything is canceled, including, yeah. uh, sadly, what, what was going to be a big event in all women's uh, boxing Supercard with Clarissa Shields finally, fa fa uh, you know, trying to redeem her only amateur loss in this trash talk fueled uh, title fight. You would, um, Michaela Mayer was in a, another title fight against Alicia Baumgartner that had a lot of fireworks and the potential for for action there. Well, it's all called off. Um, I mean, it, it's insensitive to ask this, Luke, but wouldn't the Queen have wanted them to to all play on? I don't know what the queen would have wanted. They also canceled, or I should say delayed, or whatever the proper term is, the Premier League games over in the UK this weekend as well, which they don't do that very often if they can avoid it because that's the most popular sport there by a million miles. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously the Brits are going to have their own way of handling the situation. It sucks. Do we know, BC, when they might reschedule? Like, what no, the and, it, do? and it was the last of the major sports to get canceled. In fact, they had decided that the fighters would still weigh in this morning, only they would do it off camera, no live stream. And then suddenly after that word came through and look, all the fighters, you know, Savannah Marshall, uh, Clarissa Shields, everybody in the marquee, you know, have said the right things afterwards, but I don't know. I, I wasn't alive, Luke, when, when, when the JFK thing happened, I don't know if that would have been, it probably is, is probably every country would have done it. Right. Um, I don't know. I want to be clear about this. I don't care. Um, I recognize that a world event happened, um, and I'm not celebrating it, but I'm not going to sit here and labor under the idea that, like, this is some kind of um, important event in my life. It's you don't not, even want to wax poetic on what this means for the world banking system, Luke, and the... Uh, the, the one you know, quote that I saw was obviously the way she died. You know, you know she died as, as a royal person, uh, as the queen, but what I mean to say is she died in, like, one of, one of her... Uh, sort of favorite estates that that the family owned and surrounded by friends and family and peacefully. And so someone said, may we all pass away in a place that we love with our loved ones around us, which I thought was a very nice and appropriate sentiment. Of course, you might have to be British monarchy to get that way. Most of our lives are going to end brutishly, terribly, and yeah. probably sooner than we imagine. But um, <laughs> Yours is you going to end in a vape store, Luke. And even though we'll all be like really <laughs> sad, we'll be like, <laughs> you know, part Listen, of us would, would be. I can't know. imagine it would be a life event. I don't even know if it's going to be a life event in the fam the life of my family, much less yeah. the life event of strangers, you know. Yeah, BC and Helwani coming soon to that. Uh, Luke, boxing <laughs> is back on Showtime this evening. Bally's Atlantic City is the... Uh, the, the drop-off, the fallback here, the foundation, the ring, Luke. It's going to take place. Showbox, the new generation, a triple header in a main event. You got to check this out. Joseph Adorno, blessed hands, once a top amateur, uh, born in the States, grew up mostly in Puerto Rico, but went through a stretch where he went 0-2-1 and, and suffered his first defeat on Showtime Championship Boxing, a late-notice fight to take on a rising on, unbeaten hey, lightweight. Hey, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Can I give you some breaking news? Please. 
Um, so this is what they're saying on the UFC weigh-in show. This is as of about five minutes ago. On the UFC weigh-in show, they're saying Hamzat might be having trouble making weight. Ha- quote, having issues making weight. Boy, does this add to it, Luke. It I'm does. telling you, my man, is wound, he's wound up too tight, bro. He's wound up way too tight. He's got, it's just, I, 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 I think the skills are way better than what Nate has, but he just seems, for whatever, whatever the pressure he's feeling or whatever it is, I, it's just, it's weird. It's weird. Don't you feel like it's a little, it's a little off, right? I do. I do, Luke. There, there's a jalapeno on his burger and he's, he's biting it, Luke. It, it's, he, you know, it's, he, it's got to have some effect. It really does. Uh, I mean, we won't, we won't know until the fight, but let's see how close he comes to making it or missing it here. And, um, damn, it's just another piece of drama on this somewhat ridiculous fight, but that has so much different meaning in different areas. Damn, Luke, we'll keep you updated as this progresses. Uh, but Luke, back to the Showbox triple header, 9 p.m. Eastern this evening. Luke, Joseph Adorno was once with top rank and was being pushed as this next big thing. Then he had a, a one loss to Michelle Rivera, the unbeaten lightweight, two draws. It looked like, what are we doing here? But he's 23 years old, and he's calling this his re-up, his second chance. He had two comeback fights, lower level, both knockouts. But now he's back up at a high level in the main event here against unbeaten Hugo Rodon of Argentina, who came to the sport late, but is much like a Sergio Martinez, a, a, his countryman, a slickster, awkward style, a boxer. Joseph Adorno can bang. He's got a new trainer and a new weight class. This is 140 pounds. Luke, you know Joseph Adorno. He's always got pink hair or something wild going on. But this is like the first time under new trainer uh, Chino Rivas that he's like taking the, the, the job seriously, that he's like actually training. There's still time for him to do some very big things, Luke Thomas. All right? I want to get yes, you fired up for this. Sorry. I've been paying attention to what's coming down the wire here on this Hamzat situation. You have other people here. For here, listen to this from uh, our friend. Uh, let's see where. Fuck, did I lose my notes here? Yes, uh, but from our friend. Uh, oh yes, Jose Youngs at MMA Fighting. Quote: Something is going to happen. I, talking about being at the weigh-ins. I'm not sure what, but there's a weird feeling in the air at the UFC 279 weigh-ins. Dude, wow. if Hamzat misses weight for this, are you got to be fucking kidding me, dude? You got to be fucking kidding me. Jesus yeah, that would Christ. Be- that would be a really, really bad time to have this happen for him, for, I mean. All know, that again, training, all of that fucking bluster, all of that, you know, I'm going to f- kick this guy in the face and fuck this guy's mom and whatever else. And then you don't make weight? You got to be fucking kidding me, bro. By the way, There's, you think uh, they're asking, does Nate still take the fight if he misses? couple things to consider. One, Nate has to accept it. That's the first thing we have to say here. Number two, the commission has to approve it. So, like, he has to miss by a certain amount, or the commission might, I mean, I don't know how bad he's off. Or, but first of all, let's be clear about this. He could still make it. We'll, we'll see what happens. But in the event that he misses, he can't miss by a lot. Uh, Nate has to accept, and then the commission has to approve. So, who the fuck knows? Don't who forget about knows? that that romanticized plot line that MMA Fighting's Mike Heck told me, Luke. Imagine a scenario in which this fight falls apart at the scales, and it's Chemayev's fault, and then we get... <laughs> Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson in your pay-per-view main event, and we give Nate the hero's goodbye that he deserves in a you know all-action fight in which he rises bloody and wins. Dude, can you imagine? Hold on, let's talk about this for a second. I love this thing that you're bringing up. Let's say they Hamza doesn't make it. By the way, here's another possibility. 
What if Hamzat tries to get to the scale, is within a couple of pounds, so Nate's like, whatever, I'll take it, but he looks so shitty that they end up waiving it because he has complications from rehydration or whatever. That's another possibility here, right? I mean, all of this is in play when someone can't make weight appropriately. You can't, got to be careful about how much weight you have to give up versus how much you have to cut by, so that the commission can find the, the right reason to approve it. But whatever reason, it doesn't get approved, and then Nate fights Tony, right? Which, let, let's, let, let's talk about this. Who do you favor in a Nate versus Tony contest? I got to tell you, I might favor Nate. Yeah, Nate by stoppage, yeah. You think so? Yes, Nate would. St- I think it would be a an action fight for as long as it lasted, and Nate would stop him. Uh, dude, okay. Holland just tweeted, "Quote: Professionals make weight." Middle finger emoji. Tony Ferguson weighing in at one seventy one. Tony's in. There you go. Tony made it. There Tony it at one seventy one. Look, All right. imagine if he goes out, middle fingers <laughs> up after a bloody, you know, stoppage win. And Nate leaves the the hero and everybody's shoulders into whatever big money opportunity is next. Would that lead the UFC to throw more money at him just to avoid any type of like Jake Paul versus you know Nate Diaz coming soon? I, I gotta tell you, dude. We do we have to stay on the air until we figure out what's happening with Hamza? I don't yeah. think we can get off the air. No, we. Can't. I really don't. We can't. No. As long as they, we get a resolution before 9 p.m. Eastern this evening, Luke, show box, the uh, triple header there. So hope everybody far, checks that out. How far is the venue from your hotel? It's in the it's in the hotel. It's it's the ball. Oh, you're there. Oh, you're yes. there. Oh, yes. All right. Yeah, I could just slide down the dinosaur right into it. It's great, Luke. Uh, so Showtime.com gets you 30 days free. Luke, one other bit of boxing-ish notes. Well, two. First of all, that Social Gloves pay-per-view that got, you know, delayed and moved Luke, do, will you find a stream? Do you care about this heavyweight exhibition between former uh, all-pro running backs Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell? Um, I mean, I'm paid to to care about Jake Paul. <laughs> yeah. So, like, do I care about Adrian Peterson and uh, Le'Veon Bell? No. Um. If they paid me, would I have a little bit more care? Probably. Okay. It's yeah. uh, going to go down in Los Angeles. I saw Ray Flores all over the coverage of that. Nick Listen, Young. And by the way, yeah, no, they got, the, the, I want to say what the producers wrote in the thing to us. They wrote Nick Young is also firing that card. Former NBA player. Listen, you say the basketball one time and they never forget. Swaggy <laughs> P, everyone knows who the fuck Swaggy P is. Correct me if I'm wrong, BC. Did he not play for the fucking Wizards for a time? Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, and he never Jesus met a shot Christ. he wouldn't take, Luke. But and he was he, very good at the basketball, BC. He was supposed to fight, what, Blueface or something? And that guy pulled out? Some I don't shit. know. Did they, did they get him a new opponent? I don't know. But oh. there's a lot of... Um, there was a bunch of near fights at the weigh-ins with all these, you know, Ann Eason Gibb and all these, you know, diet... What'd you say? Uh Diabetic, diabetic gas station attendants. Yeah, remember when Annie Singh Gibb uh, like like shouted back at you for that? <laughs> he didn't shout back at me. He just someone said him. I didn't. I, here's the thing. I didn't even know who he was. I didn't even know who he was. He, I just so saw like he's the YouTuber the, that Jake Paul beat in his yeah, pro debut. Didn't yeah. didn't know, and I just thought it was some dude with some random name who was probably like you know horrifically out of shape. So I just said you know Jake Paul was fighting pre-diabetic gas station attendants. Someone sent him the clip, and he was like, "What the fuck, CBS?" like sorry bro i didn't know who the fuck you were sorry i mean also Uh, am i that wrong probably not bkfc 29 is also going on in the greater boxing world this week i think it's in like montana and shit but luke you know britain heart beltron luke she caught up she she took a piece of our heart with her you know i'm an effing feeling to to marrying joey beltron to 
giving her all in these fights. Now, she lost, Luke, the flyweight championship against um, Christine Ferreira, I believe her name was, with that we showed the highlights and Have You Seen This Shit, who seems to be coming on in as a force there. But this Saturday, they have a vacant strawweight championship in which Britton Hart Beltran will take on a new last-minute opponent, Luke. Now she's going to take on Carissa Sagala, who was the fighter that was supposed to face Paige Van Zant in her BKFC comeback, but that fight got delayed. Uh, but it's Britain's second chance, Luke, down a weight class here to try to live her BKFC golden dreams. Are you going to be, you know, finding a golden stream for this one, Luke? Now, is it mandatory in BKFC that you have to flash the audience if you win and you're a woman? No, that that's a, just... That a- that's just Ty Emery, Luke, who's I trying see. to make a okay. name for herself. Well, if that was yes. a rule, I'd be perhaps more inclined to pay attention to this. But um, no, I won't be watching. All right. Well, Britton Hart just came off a big win uh, in a rematch with a fighter in which she bo- exclusively boxed, like pure boxing, and and won doing that. She, we've, she was a blood and guts fighter originally, but uh, let's see if she can get the gold, Luke. You know that Morning Combat is behind her, right? Do we Do we sponsor her? No, just in our hearts, Luke. Just in our hearts. Um, maybe, maybe, yes, maybe yours, I suppose. Joe Riggs also on the card against Josh Dyer. Does this move you? No. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. It's all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. No, no. Okay, there you go. There's somebody named Dakota Highpine in the uh, opening bout, Luke, so we'll check that out. We'll get the results back to you. Uh, also, you know, I, I don't know. Do you have a feeling if Adrian Peterson's going to get the big KO win, Luke, or you just you couldn't care less? You don't Someone care. put out, I did see someone put out sparring footage of him where he knocked his sparring partner down um, yeah. with a hard punch, but it's like, you know, he was a, he played for my, well, I don't know if I even cheer for the commanders anymore, but. He played for the hometown team here. He was all right. He was, you know, didn't he beat his kids with like a switch? Yeah, there was, like a, there, was a, there was a bad moment there. I don't know if it was a bad moment. It depends on what your level of uh, <laughs> of tolerance is on child uh, abuse in terms of parenting, Luke. But uh, you, did you do you hit your kids? No, I, I think th- I think I threw out a couple spankings early on to you know just set the tone, Luke. But I never wanted to do that, you know. Yeah, I can't hit Tuki. I can't, it's just not. In. No, just no, not you in can't. Me. You can't do that. No, no. I'm, I just do old school things in the driveway playing basketball that are probably cruel and mean, but I'm trying to build up that, you know, that, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Bro, my mom beat the ever living fuck out of me. I mean, she, I mean, it was like whatever the worst version of Diaz versus uh, Chimaev is in your brain. Yeah. It's like that. Only no referee. I mean, I got, I got demolished. <laughs> oh, wow. I wow. even said to myself, like when I, when I left home and I finally went off to college and shit in the Marine Corps. I remember saying to myself, like, I don't think if I ever have kids, I want to do that to them. No, so. no. But 
But by being so passive in this regard, Tuki's going to walk all over you for the rest yeah, of your life. Yeah, I mean, life, she's just going to, you know, she's going to be a fucking tyrant in the house. But uh, what can I do? Yeah, there you go. Uh, Luke, topic five is quick hitters. We don't have many, but here we go. Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler. It actually is official. Three rounds, UFC, NYC at MSG in NOV. Uh, Chandler also inking a new multi-fight deal. Luke, I'm glad we got this. Dude, this New York City card is freaking loaded. Will this, like, what are the odds that Poirier Chandler actually lives up to be, like, the batshit crazy action fight between two guys that we freaking love that it's going to be sold? I mean, it's hard to make a bad high. Michael Chandler fight, Luke, high. right? High. That one is high. When was the last time Dustin Poirier was in a boring fight? When was the last time Michael Chandler was in a boring fight? They don't have that in them. It's not in their constitution. And they both, by the way, can still be skilled and talented fighters, but they're not... They're not sticking movers in that way at all. Like this one, I don't know what it's going to look like. It's going to look like two cats in a bag, but it's I, it's for sure going to be action packed. Okay, I don't think it'll be as raw as Chandler Gaethje was, but I think it'll it'll be a little bit more stiff technical, like Poirier's fun five round fight over Dan Hooker was. Remember that? Remember that win, Luke? Yes, the five round brutality. I mean, it was brutal, but there was technique involved. I mean, it was a it was a fight, dude. I mean, that was yeah. Damn. Who do you what's who do you early favor? You can change your pick later. Early read on BC. What do you think? Okay, for reasons of skills and experience and guile, Poirier. But Luke, when the chin goes, it's going to be gone for good. So you just fear that. Like, is this the fight that it happens? I hope not. He seems to have a lot left in the tank. A lot at least to make you know some really fun fights against big names here to close. But. It, you know, if Chandler wins by KO, not surprised, MF, or no one would be losing. I would I would slightly, and again, I reserve the right to change my pick. I would slightly, and my early LT read yeah. is uh, for Poirier. For Poirier. I mean, you know, rewatch the Gaethje, the Alvarez fights, man. He He's battle-tested, bro. Damn. Whatever else you want to say about him, he's battle-tested. He's gone there, and he's been, and he's, wow. Talk about KO hot sauce there, Luke. Wow. My wife tried to throw away my my Dustin Poirier uh, Reaper edition KO hot sauce, Luke. Why? I was like, this is like memorabilia of my of my life. You know what okay, I mean? Okay, here, here's who we're still waiting on. 90 minutes left in the weigh-ins. We're still waiting on Shemaev, Diaz, Aldana, Jason, Chason. Chason, maybe? Chason. Almeida, Turkali, Duwadu, Barnett, Dumont, and Wolf. Okay. We'll keep you posted. Our final bit of news is, Luke, I kind of popped for this. Tiago Santos has signed with the PFL. Oh, hold 30. on, dude. Hold on. I got more breaking news. Yes. <laughs> hold on. From Nolan King, who works for MMA Junkie and is there. Uh, Hamzat Shemaev's weight has been mentioned multiple times on the pre-fight weigh-in show for UFC. I'm told a backup plan was organized hours ago by the UFC. They're anticipating a miss. So in case anyone is curious, if there is legitimate concern, there is. Holy shit. <laughs> Dude. Dude, this sport never is normal. It's just never normal. It's never fucking normal. Dude, this ever. Is, ever. Doesn't isn't this setting the groundwork for like a fan man incident? I know like, you know, a guy in a parachute's not gonna fly into the T Mobile arena, but you know what I mean? Like something crazy's gonna happen. Was, what what fight was that? It was Galata versus who? No, it was uh Holyfield against uh Riddick Bo Part Two. Bo at Caesars right. in Bo, Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they beat the 
living hell out of that. Dude. <laughs> they, they, beat, they beat that fucker within an inch of his life. Yeah, they sadly did. Many people with giant brick Zach Morris cell phones just pounding him out there. Uh, Luke Maheta to the PFL has me fired up. Look, he's 38 years old. Santos has lost five of his last six, but... You know, he's in these fights. He's had big moments. He almost finished off Glover Teixeira and snuffed out that uh, memorable return in, in the title run. Here's Ray Sefo of the PFL on the signing. We are very excited to bring in Santos to the light heavyweight division. He's known throughout the MMA world as a guy who delivers exciting fights, and I'm looking forward to see his elite KO power up close. So am I, Luke. This spices up. Uh, I mean, you know... Hopefully the smart cage had some part in this signing and in negotiating because you know it can do it can do anything. But this is going to make me tuning into the smart cage uh, a more prescient move here, Luke, because Maheta's coming around with that with that giant hammer tat, knowing that you know he'll either knock you down or knock you up, Luke, when it comes to you know staring across at another fighter, <laughs> fighting and fucking. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's all there is to life, really, right? Uh, and by the way, I don't know if people know this. This is a true story. True story. All PFL contracts are actually negotiated by the AI that powers the smart cage. How about <laughs> there that? You, there you go. There you go. I mean, that, that cage is smart as fuck. That's what I know. It's Yeah, it, <laughs> it definitely is. Uh, Luke, can he win? He's going to make fun of shit fights. We know that. Can he win the damn tournament here in the million bucks? Um, sure. Yes, I think it'd be really silly to dismiss his chances. He still has big power. He's got a lot of veteran experience. The level of competition he's facing is also going to go down. Remember, if you go and look at his record, BC, like to the Tiago Santos record. So, for example, let me pull it up here. He fought uh, Kevin Holland, but, um, you know, I mean, what, what's that supposed to be like? So here, if you go back and look at it, uh, let me pull it up here. Tiago Santos. These are the names he lost to, right? John Jones. Okay, and he blew his knees up. Glover Deshera, Rakic, Ankalaev, and Hill. Dude, those are all top five guys. Those are all top five guys. He won't be fighting top five guys anymore. So, you know, can, for example, like Jim Miller, everyone's like, oh, Jim Miller's longevity is incredible. And it is. But Jim Miller has a real clear sense of self. He's not out there like Tony Ferguson, for example, 170. Who the fuck knows who he's fighting tomorrow at this point? But as it stands right now, he's fighting the leech. That's a top 15 guy. Jim Miller's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to fight those guys. I'm trying to fight, you know, a, a level that is more appropriate with the level I'm at at this stage of my career. That's what Tiago Santos appears to be doing, and I think that could win him a lot. Yeah, he may end up fighting Shoeface, Luke, or Screwface, whatever. What's the guy? Hey, um, I, hey here, how about this? How about my dad, old Rob Thomas, not out there making Matchbox 20 albums, just trying to FaceTime me on the air right now because he has no idea I'm working. <laughs> I'm surprised you went to the FaceTime, Luke. That shows he wants to see your ass, you know what I mean? We got um, him. We got him a, uh, so my dude, my dad always buys these phones. I'm like, dad, where did you get this phone? He'd be like, I don't know. I think it's Pakistani. I'm like, dude, just, just something you've, a brand you've never fucking heard of. Right. Then the thing breaks after like five seconds of use. We had to have a fucking intervention with him. We're like, dad, get a fucking iPhone. Well, look, you're about to have an intervention from Mikey Morms, our producer, who's like, answer it on the air. What are you doing? This is content. Luke. I'm not this bringing is- my dad on the air. I'm bringing I mean, my dad on this, the air. Put this conversation in front of all of us, all right? Uh, Daniel nah. Rodriguez just made weight 179, 179 for this catch weight bout of 180 versus Kevin Holland. Anyway, so we finally got him an iPhone, and then we taught him how to use FaceTime, and now he's like, he'll just FaceTime. Well, he'll call Tuke. He didn't really call me, but you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, he uses FaceTime a lot. <laughs> Does he like do it from the bathroom grossly, like not realizing that people can like see over his shoulder and stuff? No, but he still hasn't figured out that, like, you have to point the shit at your face. So we'll yeah. just stare at, like, his neck as he just holds it here, thinking, like, it's just speakerphone. 
It's like, yo, I can see you, motherfucker. Like, hold that shit up. Yeah, Luke, uh, a lot of people relating to that watching this show. No question about it. Uh, we'll continue to keep you posted on all things Chemayev and the scale UFC 279. Dude, get Ferguson up in the bullpen. Get ready. Luke, we got a segment where uh, we correct the wrongs. As our listeners and viewers hit up morningcombat at gmail.com, the email house, to send their complaints that we spoke into a microphone for upwards of, you know, 12 hours a week and said some shit that wasn't right. Well, you better bring receipts because this one's called motherfucking dead wrong. Uh, Luke, we open with with the one I'd mentioned earlier, uh, me not realizing in that moment that Usyk said he was not going to be ready until March to come back, which is why Tyson Fury was pushing so hard for this Anthony Joshua fight to fill that opportunity. I'm wrong on that part because I thought he was able to come back in like January, but still Luke March is only six months away. Should we be trying to risk it here? Now, AJ's doesn't look like he's accepting. I heard he accepted the 40% financially, but now it seems that this might not be the, you know, the right fight so soon for him after losing to Usyk. It's not the right time for this fight to be, to be fair. Really? It's not, you know, you want to see AJ bounce back and come back and of course, you want to see the four belt fight, but uh, I will take the L on my reaction and my, you know, throwing it back at Tyson. No question, BC was a casual there, just a just a loser. Uh, but Luke, you don't care. You don't want the AJ fight now, though. I know that. I know you. You don't want it. Uh, I don't mind it. Like I said on Wednesday, I didn't realize that you had totally ignored the fact that Usyk is injured and just acted like a complete casual bitch on the air. And by the way, could you be darker in this ISIS basement, motherfucker? Yo, Turn the light yo, on. Ga- yo, Gaffney, my man. I thought you said this was bright enough. I look like I'm fa- this is this is looking like the Back to the Future picture, Luke. As as like you know, you mess with the space time continuum, and I'm slowly just disappearing. Um, is the light dying? Probably. It's on a battery here. I don't know. Um. But this kind of fits the motif of Atlantic City, though, to be fair, Luke, okay? You know what yes. I mean? The sunset's just my lifeline burning out, you know? Uh, let's go to number one here on Dead Wrong from a P1 named Daniel of San Jose, California. Wow, so that means he loves Strike Force, Luke, right? Uh, not necessarily. All right, hey all, shortly before BC was bragging about being on fire and pitching no-hitters at the beginning of this segment on September 2nd at the one-hour mark, when asked if he had seen any of Vanderlei's pride catalog, BC said, quote, or no, Luke said, quote, no, it was me. I was cage side for Chael Vanderlei three. Okay. Chael and Vanderlei only fought once at Bellator NYC back on June 24th, 2017. And it was a carryover fight from the UFC ultimate fighter, Brazil three that had no relation to pride. Remember it never ended up taking place in the U S because first, Vanderlei refused to submit a sample for NSAC for drug testing. He was replaced by Vitor. Then Chael failed the drug test and promptly announced his departure from the company. LOL, good times. Sorry to douse your flames, BC. But you're dead wrong, you dub T son of a bitch. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Uh, it's Daniel, the P1. So I'm wrong because I thought that was their trilogy, but really they'd never fought, right? That's what that's what I'm saying here? Well, I mean, again, I, I think there was that incident on the set of the ultimate fighter when Chell's like, I can't let you get close. I yeah. Can't I can't let you get close. And then, then they, yeah, he that's, was, that's, that's BC to me. Every time I try to shake his hand, I can't <laughs> let you get close. Yeah. But get you always want to do like a sloppy man hug. And like, like remember when meatloaf had bitch tits on uh fight club and you know, just yes. you're pushing me in and you know, it's yeah. All right. Um, 
You mean I want to have a normal embrace and you're always like, get the fuck off me, bitch. Maybe my memory was clogged. Who did, Va- didn't all oh, Vandalay fought Rampage for the fourth time recently, right? And it was sad. That's what I'm uh, Yeah, he fought him twice in Pride and once in UFC. I don't even know if they fought again in Pride. Or, I'm sorry, in Bellator. I can't even remember. I think that's but, what uh, I'm mentally referencing, if that's even the fact. Maybe no, I'll be sorry. I think they again. fought twice in Pride and then once in Bellator. Or What the fuck? Well, I can't even remember anymore. Yeah, I don't have, you know, whatever, whatever. Luke, we got a dead wrong from Aaron. Hi, guys. This is a dead wrong for BC from Friday, September 2nd. I don't know if the half glass of motor oil that you drank or just the fact that your attention to detail is limited purely to straw weights and their Instagram accounts, but at 129.20 of the show during happy hour, when discussing McGregor's return, you suggested Usman for the belt. What in the hell are you going to, when in the hell are you going to put some respect on Leon Edwards' name, you washed piece of factory town trash. Sincerely yours. It's Aaron from London. Wow. Wow, Luke. They're coming. They're coming hard. They're the, <laughs> Peter North up in this bitch, Luke. Wow. Wow. I used to have a Peter North back in the day when you could only have them like saved on your computer. I had a Peter North MPEG, and yeah. it was just called Lake.mpeg. That's disgusting. That's pretty gross. Wow, my lighting is is a. Uh, Wow. Oh, dude. Could you be darker in this motherfucker? I mean, yeah. wow. <laughs> I'm fading away right in front of you. Uh, this one um, is from Mahalo. Hold on. We got to hold on. We, time out here for a second because we got to figure this out on the air. Look, I right. think this is more entertaining, all right? Yeah, it is more entertaining, but we need to figure this out because now you're flashing like a fucking siren, like a smoke alarm <laughs> is going off in your fucking hotel room. Okay, it looks it looks terrible. You look awful. What are we going to do here, fellas? Because we need to have some kind of live reaction in the event that Hamzat doesn't right, make weight I'll fi- and whatever. I'll fix it. If you can carry it for about a minute and a half, Luke. Okay. Uh, let me see if I can find the dead wrongs. In fact, I do think I have them. Yeah, let's see if, if BC can fix that bullshit. Uh, all right. So I think we did the Leon is champ thing. Or did we not do this? Hi, guys. Aaron here. Uh, we did Leon. Okay. RDA did not KO Pettis. This comes to us from Jordan. Who, and Owen, or, or Owen Jordan, or whoever the fuck this is, at about 57.35 during the Nate Diaz resume review, BC mentions RDA beating Diaz and going on to knock out Anthony Pettis and Luke Cosines with it. That's right. Yeah, he didn't beat him. He just beat the fuck out of him, but he didn't knock him out. While that was very one-sided, yes, you're right. It still went to a decision, 50-45 on all three at UFC 185. Awesome resume review. Otherwise, keep up the great work. Mahalo. Jordan in Hawaii. BC? Yeah. You, once again, imagining fights and results that didn't happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pre- look, to be fair, though, I'm pretty washed. I mean, what do these people expect, right? Yes, you are a pathetic piece of shit. Uh, okay. This is from Edgar and Isaac. During Nate Diaz's resume review, goddamn, boy, they're fact checking the fuck out of us today. While discussing the Pettis fight, BC refers to Pettis as. A Pettis who stopped Stephen Thompson after this. In fact, he knocked out Wonder Boy the fight prior, which makes you dead wrong. Much love from Berlin. Wait, what the fuck? Oh, yes. He had stopped him. Well, he had stopped him around the same time, BC, is I guess the point, right? Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, are we back? Does this work? Hey, McGruber, let's see your lighting situation. (laughs) Now, now Now everything's crooked. Your camera's crooked like a motherfucker, man. Yeah, the whole the whole rig's uh, in trouble here. Look, what if I just what if I just what go if you from just dumped angle? light from the back and ruined everything and made it look even worse? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, dude, you just ruined it. You you ruined everything. <laughs> this will be talking to you about the show, not the lighting. 
Okay, uh, we did Jordan from there. Uh, Luke, did we do the guy from Berlin? Yeah, Pettis. Yeah, screw that. All right. We haven't done Hamzat's lip. We have to fix that one. I guess I got that one wrong. Yeah, uh, this is Josh and also Manuel moved in with this. Uh, but the guy who wrote it was from Australia. He says, fellas, at 110.02 of episode 345, I regret to inform you that you were both dead wrong about Hamzat and the origin story of his lip. The lip is the result of a fall he had in his youth when he fell down a concrete staircase when he was just two. He split his lip, knocked some teeth out, and broke his oh nose. Oh, my God. And still to this day, when it comes to breathing. Dude, dude, um, dude, yeah. we are in trouble. We are in trouble. From Ariel Helwani, this is as of five minutes ago. I'm told Hamzat Shemaev is currently in the range of eight to ten pounds off. Dude, the commission's not going to fucking approve this. You Dude, can't be is... 10 pounds more and let them go through with this. Way off. This is an absolute disaster. Both me trying to set up this uh, camera right now, but most importantly, Luke, to, to this event, which was unique and weird and criticized, but also, you know, celebrated at the same time. And yes, we expected big pay-per-view buys and a lot of attention. This was supposed to be the coronation of your next big thing while taking what's left from one of your formerly great brands and Nate Diaz on his exit. And now it's a debacle. Now, you know, Chemayev's going to come out looking weathered from this question marks galore. And will the UFC then bend to the MMA karma upon them and give the fans Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson, and let the legends go to war and give Nate potentially a chance to leave with his hand raised and his brand revived and him heading in whatever direction he wants to after 15 years with this company filled with many highs and lows. And we went through them on resume review. What a potential massive turn of events. Luke, we don't know what the replacement option is, but if it's not Tony Ferguson, what else could it be? Kevin Holland? You could do Kevin Holland. Yes, you could do. Oh, well, no, because well, Kevin Holland came in at 179. I guess they could make some accommodations for it because... He made contracted weight, but uh, the leech made weight. You could do the leech. I think Tony made weight. You could do Tony. We have Nate hasn't made weight yet, so we don't know about that. But at least you're talking about two guys who have made the welterweight limit today. They're on the table. You could do that, uh, dude. Eight to ten pounds. I'm. T did I not call it BC? I didn't know he was going to miss by this much. Did I not say he had a weird energy? Did I not say he was wound too tight? My man was off this week, dude. Yeah. He had real weird, like, oh, Israel fucked Paulo Costa's ass shit he was saying at the media day. He's just been off. He's been this off this like, whole time. Dude, if he misses weight by this much, this is like showing up shit drunk to your own wedding, right? And it just going downhill from there. I mean, this was supposed to be a transaction, uh, a knighting, right? Like a... A, this is the next big thing, and here's him. Watch him shine as brightly as possible against the guy you love. Wow, Luke, uh, am I overstating the potential image damage to to a guy who we were lauding with Herculean level of praise about what could be next? Um, I do. Okay, let's say he misses. Let's say he misses. Let's 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 talk about this world in a world where he misses and misses by, let's say, 8 to 10, how much, and this sort of I'm repackaging what you asked me, but I, I'm trying to like noodle it through in real time because we're live on the air. How much does this damage the, the Hamzat hype train? Because I got to tell you, through four fights, 
it was the most I'd ever seen of any MMA fighter. I really mean that. I've never seen a guy in four UFC fights have the hype that he did. And he beat Gilbert Burns, but well, remember Brock the narrative. Le- remember Brock the narrative, Lesner, be- Luke. Huh? Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. Yeah, but he had diverticulitis. I'm talking about drop off, drop off. Because remember the narrative after he beat Gilbert. You and I defended Hamzat, but there was a lot of people being like, "Well, I had expected him to go out there and just assassinate him, and he didn't do that." And you know, I, I guess he's not who we thought he was. And we're like, "Ah, to beat Gilbert like that in your fifth fucking UFC fight is pretty impressive." Yeah. But he took an L in certain ways from the public from that. And then to miss by this much against Nate, dude, you got to be fucking kidding me. I want to text someone on the air. Run with that because I want to text All right, so, um, some people you know, who are important in the industry right now. Grand damage-wise, immediately it would be you know huge, but it is certainly recoverable by going back and doing what's expected of you in the cage and winning huge fights. But you wonder, though, what the, the toll of if it goes down like this and obviously, immediately the criticism, everything will you know will be huge. Whether that plays any toll on his psyche and his confidence and his preparation, most likely not. Given what he's projected so far in terms of a guy who's all about that life and ready, you know, to fight you backstage or fight you for the championship in the cage, no matter what, just pay him. Uh, or is this? monster turn of events here and the potential of missing weight this badly which is you know hugely unprofessional also mixed with the potential of what the hell went wrong to 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 start this is there some major injury we don't know about or or certainly um and anything else that could lead to this man um this leaves more questions and answers about who exactly Hamza Chamaya is it's you know it doesn't doesn't kill everything but it 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 damages it and you cannot let a fight go on when it's, you know, when it's potentially this wide that he's going to miss. We're going to find out when he steps on there. But, man, have can you recall a time, Luke, leading up to the start, to the way, you know, to the end of the weigh-in uh, with this much sort of like, what the hell do we do next if this happens? Well, it, it, it's looking like it's going to happen, Luke. Are you with me? Are you on the other side of the line, caller? So, like, the biggest miss I can recall was when, remember when Mackenzie Dern, I forget which fight it was, but she was... She was up nearly a weight class when she had missed weight. I think she was something like 132 or something. Only it bullshit. wasn't a, the main event of a pay-per-view in her own. Right, right, right. right. But I'm talking, I'm talking about like insane misses. That's the that's the biggest miss I can remember. I, dude, I'm gonna, trying to be honest. I'm trying to think of a non-heavyweight, well, fucking any fight, but I'm trying to think of a, of a pay-per-view or any major UFC main event where someone missed weight like this i'm having trouble coming up with a name i don't know what they would be um, i mean we've certainly you know we had amanda nunes never getting to the scale for the first shevchenko rematch that was scheduled we've we've had situations like that but you know we've had what didn't travis luter miss weight and not get the opportunity at anderson silva's title we've seen that but this was so unique and weird to begin with and it was like we all had tickets to the uh bar mitzvah or whatever you want to call it of shemaev becoming a Next day, overnight, absolute, thriving, hulking, dangerous attraction. You know, uh, I remember uh, when I, 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 so I was at, I think it was either UFC 207 or UFC 209, whichever one, it was one of the Nate, excuse me, it was one of the Tony Habib ones that fell through. And uh, that was the one where uh, he was, where he eventually got called out for the tiramisu eating. Uh, 209, they're saying, yeah, UFC 209. And it kind of stuck with him. Now, obviously, Habib went on to like, you know, 
to your point, if Hamzat misses weight here and then has a you know, rebound where he has a major win over a major fighter, yeah, a lot of this tends to go away. But um, it, it would be bad. It yeah. would be real bad. I mean, the last remember Gervonta Tank Davis missed weight and lost his title on the scales in the co-main event of Mayweather McGregor in a time where it was like, enjoy Mayweather McGregor, but the next big thing is coming right behind him. That was pretty bad, but boy, did he, you know, win that back by going in the ring and doing that. So it's redeemable. But again, I just think you ask yourself how much of this potential miss here was fueled by, could be injury, but how much of it is fueled by the anxiety of, of, of this spotlight and this opportunity and what this meant. Um, is there things to fear about his psyche moving forward? Uh, I don't know. We're going to have to hear from him. We're going to have to see him step on the scale first. A lot of this is just speculation, but damn, Luke, how do you, how do you enter that off that far off without a, without telling the promotion two weeks before or what have you? I don't know. I, that's the other part too. It's like, dude, the, the, they need to know this. And I, I suppose the, well, here's the thing. They, th- then UFC did know this, right? Because you, so for folks who may not know, when you arrive for fight week, you have to arrive to get your gloves and then your Venom gear and everything. You have to check in. There's a whole process. So you see some of those guys signing the posters and whatnot throughout the course of the week. But you also have to weigh in when you get there. They need to know how much you weigh upon that. I don't, they, did he weigh, here's the, here's the other part. Did he weigh in at a weight that was not so bad and then during the course of the week, maybe he suffered an injury and he couldn't cut the rest. Like a two pound miss is a lot. An eight to 10 pound miss is like a tidal wave of a miss. Something has to go super wrong to not make it. And we know he can make 170 BC because he did it against Gilbert Burns. So we've seen him do it. So like, what would be the reason why you couldn't do it? UFC probably did have some inclination. He came in heavy on Tuesday but did they know it was going to end up here? I don't know. I would love to know. They, I, I, the only thing you can do... Right, here we go. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, if Hamzat misses weight and Diaz makes weight, the ball's entirely in his court. And according to multiple reports, he has a sunset clause in his contract approaching. Yeah, he can just do whatever the fuck he wants after this. I mean, but it's got to be, it's he gotta tell be the Ferguson promotion versus to, Diaz, right? Right. Well, he could tell the promotion F off and just let his contract expire, right? But that's not about who Nate is. Um, it's got I mean, it's, it's got to be Ferguson, but that would show that the promotion's desperate, which they are, of course, but that they're willing to potentially set Nate up to go with his brand shining. Uh, Luke, you do remember the fictional matchup in Rocky IV, Drago versus Balboa. There are some Drago similarities to Chimaev, the hype and the, you know, dis- destruction that he's that he's shown in a short window leading up to the big fight and the big opportunity. But Drago broke in the midst of the fight with all that pressure on him of the country and the nation. We can't forget that when you said Shemayev just looked off looking at him this weekend, you know, we might not imagine the scope of the pressure upon him. I think we're thinking about that lens more through like for UFC sake and him being their next attraction. And can he live up to it? Hey, 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 hey. So Diaz has showed up and I got a text from someone. uh, I'll say, uh, you know, sources close to Nate Diaz. Diaz has every intention of fighting tomorrow. Okay. Um, that's all that they're telling me. So my man's going to weigh in. But, dude, here's the other part. If Hamzat is 10 pounds away from 170, his weight is right in line with D-Rod and Kevin Holland, who are at the 180 mark anyway. 
for the catch weight. So, dude, doesn't it make all the sense in the world not just to do Nate versus Tony, but to have Hamzat fight Kevin Holland? Yeah, They're on no, the same weight. Absolutely. That that wow, that's really interesting. That's a great point. Um, is there any is there any way that Nate goes? If they say Nate, who do you want to fight of these of this group? If they say, hey, you know, there's Leech, Nate there's- Diaz, one seventy one. Nate Diaz, one seventy one. Damn, damn, Nate. That's how you do it, right? He okay. did. It. He did. Look, what if they give him an option and he goes, "Give me D Rod, give me Daniel Rodriguez," because he carries our spirit. Uh, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out in a war, passing the torch to this guy. That's pretty damn romantic, just the same, Luke. I. <laughs> I just can't. I don't even know what I am thinking right now. This whole thing is fucking bananas. Bananas. Um, dude, Nate could end up. I can't believe how the events are turning out, dude. Nate could end up leaving the UFC after a win over. By the way, Tony could beat his ass too. I think we should. We're kind of overlooking that a little bit. But like, do you like Nate's chances better against Hamzat, especially a Hamzat 10 pounds heavier than he's fucking supposed to be? Versus a Nate versus a or a Nate taking on a Tony, you like Nate's chances there much better, dude. Could you fucking imagine? We were we were we were putting together Nate's fucking obituary around these parts <laughs> when he was supposed to be fighting Hamzat. He might dodge the whole thing, take on a much easier fight at this stage anyway, and Tony Ferguson win that thing and go off, can, which I mean, he I deserves. Know. And the dude, irony, the karma, here- everything after beating Connor, the karma just. Flipped. And the irony here is that, like, he did this because it was the only way out. He's already admitted, I didn't ask for this fight. I don't want this fight. He shouldn't want this fight. But the karma played out, if it goes this way, beautifully. And, you know, Nate Diaz accepting this fight. We said it this week. It's the most Nate Diaz decision he possibly could have done. And it is, you know, you can compare it to the McGregor thing and the hype. And he's the right guy to kind of shoot it down. But now luck coming back around after all those shitty paydays and, you know, sitting out three years in his com- commercial prime after the Connor fights. Now he gets to go out like you potentially like you rarely do if they make this Tony fight. Not an automatic win, not a fight he can't lose, but a better opportunity to 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 just go out in his own terms with a Nate Diaz type performance, potentially a victory and keeping his brand strong for whatever's next. But Luke, I, I don't want this to go without you answering this regarding Chemayev. I brought up the the Drago implosion, which was fictional in front of us. All the pressure I'm thinking about is, is more the UFC marketing pressure to be that guy. Are we overlooking the pressure of Chechen dictator uh, Ramzat Kudryaev, Luke? Of, um, yeah, that's exactly his name. What's the name, Luke? I butcher it a lot. Ramzan Kadyrov. Ramzan Kadyrov. I mean, there was that weird incident where Hamzat wanted to retire because of the effects of COVID, and they he had a he, had, he did have a legitimately terrible bout with COVID, yeah. And the and you know, the, you know that guy's like no 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 Mutombo, Luke is the pressure Drago level here that we just we don't understand it. It's too much. I, I do, I'm telling you, the guy was acting. I mean, he's always acted ferocious and kind of crazy and shit like that. But remember, like. When he saw Gilbert Burns in the hallway, they shook hands, and it was a forceful kind of like, you know, I'm going to outman you in this moment, but it wasn't crazy or anything like that. This whole week, he's been crazy, dude. Something's off. I, I, you know, I don't really know what it is. The pressure got to him, or and you know why you're sniffing it out. You know why you're sniffing it out so quickly, Luke? Because we lived Rousey home, 
Right? We live that where it's like Yeah, and she was weird too. Yeah, it's like why is she acting like a raccoon every time on camera? Like she's out of control trying to start stuff. And then in hindsight, you're like, oh, it's a you know, maybe compensating for a lack of focus or not training at the same level given all of the distractions around. Well, the distractions have been growing for Chemayev, not on a rousy level, but also not that far. I mean, he's ready. The the the, the public is ready to embrace him as the next big thing. That's clear. That is clear. But I mean, is he is he subconsciously acting out because the pressure's too much, Luke? So he self sabotaged it by coming in over. I don't think that would explain eight to ten pounds. Eight to ten is, dude. You're almost in the next weight class, right? I mean, and that's a fifteen pound jump. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Something has to go very wrong to miss weight like that. Very wow. wrong. Which, by the way, I think explains like why he's been on edge and didn't really want to be a part of the presser and shit like that. And it just seems like he's finding any way to like create distraction around him that has nothing to do with the issue that was affecting him, whatever that may be. And by the way, if it's a serious health ailment, then I obviously hope he gets you know medical care to fix it. I, I'm not wishing poorly upon him, but hardly the kind of condition you want to be in to take on a fist fight in that way. Um, Jesus, Jesus. Dude, uh, Luke, can you, you imagine wanna... the UFC UFC goes to him is like, okay, we want you to fight the leech. It's like, no, no. Tony. No. What would you think? Okay, let me ask this. Is there a world, hear me out, is there a world where the UFC goes to Nate and says, you want to fight Tony? He says, yes. And then they go to Tony and say, will you fight Nate? And he says, no. Is that possible? No, no, no because... Okay. Tony would be back in the limelight, which is where he wants to be in a huge fight. And he had probably has so much respect for Nate that this is the exact type of fight Tony wants to be in, not against that welterweight hammer, the leech, right? He wants to be in here. And that's the fight, to be honest, he should be in, although you can argue, well, he just kind of was in those and he got, you know, splattered. So you're giving him this chance at reinvention. It's a safer, safer matchup potentially, but not nothing safe here. I mean, you know, if Tony's in a bad spot, any matchup could could end that. But damn, both legends would would deserve this. They would deserve this, Luke. This would be a fan. This is like a BMF fight. This is like a fan sort of like I love everything about this. Like a it's like a movie for guys who love action movies, Luke. Right? Uh, I gotta tell you, the fight makes more sense anyway, right? Like it. We were cons- we were talking about like you know Tony Ferguson and being all concerned for him because he was not doing the Jim Miller bit. He was taking on a top fifteen guy. I think the leech as it stands at this moment, is ranked number 14. We're like, that's still a big ask. But against 38-year-old Tony, going from 155 to 170, taking on 37-year-old Nate Diaz, who's really a 155 or fighting 170, that's a much that's a much better... I feel much better about Tony's chances, and I feel much better about Nate's chances in that sense, right? Like, it just seems like a better fight for them anyway. No and question. It's not like, you know, yes, Hamzat has a shitload of just intrigue around him at this moment in time, not weigh in, notwithstanding. But it's not like Tony is some, you know, like the fans don't like care about him or isn't a, I don't know how much of a pay-per-view proven draw he'd be in this kind of circumstance. That remains to be seen. But, um, you know, it's not like he's some marginal figure, right? He is at the centerpiece of the fans' adoration, Right, but in his, every way, it's a better fight. Okay, but they're going to look at. They're also going to consult the bottom line and look at their options. And the more corporate announcement that's still a, a middle ground, meaning we like and don't like some parts of it, would be Nate versus Kevin Holland because in their eyes, the 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 value of somebody being in a pay per view main event against Nate Diaz in his last fight is 
exponential. If we can't put Chemayev over, then the pro wrestling pencil Luke would normally go to the next young guy who might be able to do some big stuff. And if Holland is already in the public's eyes linked in a current rivalry or potential war with Chemayev over that backstage situation, then this would be the UFC giving Kevin Holland a chance to become a star if he could go out there and fight Nate Diaz and win and then set himself up for a Chemayev fight. But for all that to probably happen, Nate would have to say yes, right? Would Nate turn down Kevin Holland, Luke? Again, I had folks, sources close to Nate, telling me that they intend to fight tomorrow. That's all that they'll, they're telling me, that they intend to fight tomorrow. Okay, then so, won't this decision show? If they sub in Kevin Holland, it shows they're going to give him a chance to go for it. Yeah, but wouldn't dude. they be doing that with Tony too? Like, why would? And plus, Kevin's because at the Tony's window's anyway. closed. Luke, Tony does not have a lot left. You understand this, right? Yes. So if they do it to him, it's a tribute to him, and it's a thing that, in the short term, you'll get more pay per view buys of people just being like, "Oh shit, I want to see this. I love this." But Luke, there's if you put him over, you can't. It's not going to lead to business, right? So could you put over Holland instead? I think this would. Wow, he would get a huge opportunity here to be in a huge fight. And then have a chance to go into an even bigger one when Chimaev's ready. You could do that. That's a possibility. I just feel like the weight difference the commission might have an issue with. That's yeah. all. That's the if he had made regular 170, 171 or whatever, we might be having a different conversation. But the fact that he's around 179, 180 changes the equation, especially if Hamzad is off, as reported by Ariel Helwani, at roughly the eight to ten pound range. Dude, I cannot fucking believe that. I really, really can't. I am like you don't see me shocked too often. I'm going to have to hit the vape, motherfucker. Hey, do we have fan subs while we wait? Yeah, definitely. I, I was going to interrupt you and ask if you wanted to go there, but you were on fire, Luke. The watermelon vape was just, you know, filling the air. Let's start our... Oh, yeah, we have a segment here, morningcombat at gmail.com, also where you can send it. Normally on Wednesdays, this week, though, we're doing it today. It is your artwork and your photos of you in a T-shirt, probably a size tighter than you should have ordered it. It's called Fan Submission. You've got mail. It's called Aspar. Viewers. We've got mail. Viewers. All right, this is from Scott. So I didn't listen to y'all, and I placed a bet on Shuey Tui. I could taste the win, but because Tui didn't have enough to finish and let Cyril recover, now to go place a bet on Nate Diaz, wish a donk luck. Oh, get that out of your mouth, simpleton. <laughs> Luke, that's Scott. He did purchase our merch. Look at him in that fine donk cap that you can I know. also. The hat get. is nice. I appreciate the fandom. Get that out of your mouth, sir. And or, or, this, I mean, please, Shoeys. You know, uh, listen. What about the what about the the, the style there of the leopard print uh, dad shoe there, Luke? The well, I mean, people wear outrageous clothing these days. I have no idea what's cool. But <laughs> what I would say is, what I would say is, this I am certain about. I will let Taito Ivasa slide because he made it a thing. If he wants to, I hate it, but whatever. Like, you can't police that guy. He's just going to do what he's going to do. But you fans out there, if you do shoeies from now on, you're simpletons. I want you to know that. Like, you're full on admitting you eat paint chips. Cue up the video of Luke doing the. No, we did. Yeah, you're saying it was. We did it back when there was like a little bit of a fun thing or do. Everyone was doing it. You're still doing it. It's played out like a movie. If you're still doing it now, you're like, by the time the. Macarena got to the level of like our moms and grandmas and suddenly they're doing it, you know, two years later and they think it's the coolest thing. And you're like, yo, get that shit away from me. Right. Yes. Yeah. Or Mambo number five, Luke. I mean, you know, I'm sure Lou Vega got laid from that song, but if I hear it again, Luke, I'm running in the other direction. All right. All right. 
I mean, all he did was name his old whores that he banged, Luke, in that song, one after another, you know? Are they, are they whores? I mean, it could be nice women. Who knows? <laughs> okay. Uh, Luke, this one's from Dan. Good day, boys. It's Dan from the Gold Coast, Australia. Been here since day one, and I thought it was time to support the show and get some merch. Here's a picture of a couple of fish I caught from my kayak a few kilo- kilometers offshore. The one on the left is a snapper, and the one on the right is a pearl perch. The second pick is me with my eight-month-old daughter, Dolly, and my dog, Susie. MK is by far the best MMA show for all. See, yeah. Thank you. I was going to say, content. first of all, this guy looks great. The shirt's cool. Uh, the, uh, here's what I'm going to say about uh, put up the picture with him with the fish. By the way, that dog looks like my dog. Um, I think posing with fish, I have no problem with it, except for one condition. One condition, BC. That and I've alive? heard this complaint. I've heard this complaint from enough women where I, I've like it's it's clearly got to be true. Posing, if you're a dude and you're posing with fish, fine. Don't make it your Tinder profile, because then you're a you got sad dad loser energy. That's oh, wow. the reality. <laughs> you see, it sounds so passionate. I thought you were speaking from experience, Luke. You know? No, no, no. I mean, I, I've been. You ever been fishing like for extended periods? I've, I've fishing no. is cool. Like I'm all right with it. I've never done deep sea fishing, but I've done. I've done enough, you know, uh, in oh. the Chattahoochee River in, in Georgia to, you know, get my fill. Rafe Bartholomew once took my family and my kids. Uh, we went fishing, Luke, up in a lake in New York State. It was great. But, you know, do I ever want to fish again? No, not at all, Luke. BC, I've, down, I've been down to the Withlacoochee River. You ever been down to that area? Wow. I'd like to get there, but uh, Withlacoochee, <laughs> yeah. Um, a, a, lot of, a lot of gar in the water, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, Luke, what are your thoughts on this man juggling his daughter? Uh... It's the NFL offseason, but I'll pick six. Part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. The football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. Yeah. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Daily and his dog Susie while wearing MK merch. I mean, that's an interesting grip, but, uh, you know, just just protect the baby. Protect the baby's head. First of all, he's like, yo, here's me with two dead animals. Now here's me with two live animals. <laughs> Thank you, Dan, for your service down under. Uh, good day, mate. Hopefully a 32-ounce Foster's can is in your future, okay? Uh, this one's from AJ. Good day, fellas. I just got back from Singapore this week, and I attended one championship, Marais versus Johnson, over the weekend. Of course, I made sure to get a pick of the event, repping my MK shirt. Masks are still mandatory in Singapore until literally days after the event, so unfortunately, you can't see my handsome face. Yo, shout out to this guy, AJ, for going to the land of Chhatri and representing MK here, Luke. Serious question. You ever tried to go buy Toomey luggage? No. Dude, it's butt expensive. I mean, you think my haircuts are expensive? Is it the Cadillac of, of airplane bags, Luke? I, I think so, because I went to a Toomey store. And I, did, I was none the wiser. I didn't know shit about it. And I go in and, like, not, you know, the kind of spinner that you could still take on a plane... 
was like six hundred dollars. I was like, yeah. "What the fuck are these? Ma- are these made out of gold? What is so nice about these fucking things?" <laughs> they're made. So out here's of my chil- question. They're made out of children, Luke. Obviously, yeah, I, I see that. So here's my question, BC: Is Toomey the most high end sponsor of any MMA promotion wow. anywhere in the world? Serious wow. question. I mean, it's it's got Mickey's malt liquor beat, Luke. Um, get stung yeah remember when like floyd mayweather had like that hublot sponsorship and we're like yeah we're bringing class back to boxing you know yeah this is what this feels like luke but you know it's just a bag at the end of the day okay thank yeah, you i mean Aid. i went to target and i got a bag the same size and it was like 60 bucks and i was like i'll just go with this one yeah yeah, yeah indeed luke shout out to aj here for wearing our shit in the wild thank you uh one championship also luke one championship they're back they're back you know i back I back. I Trust back. me. Uh, Luke, Josh says, uh, good day, ma'am. Okay. Well, dude, we have all Australians on this one. Uh, I'm a washed 42-year-old dad from Brisbane, Australia here. Recently recovered from ACL surgery to replace a completely torn tendon from men's league basketball. Advice to BC, quit while your knees still work. Oh, my God. I'm on the verge, by the way, Luke. I just signed up for the new season. It starts in two weeks. And I've been playing my son in the driveway like every couple of days. I'm thinking about going going for it. And inevitably, if I go for it, meaning I get in real, the best shape I can to try to have like my final stand, you know, as like a competitive score. You know what I mean, Luke? Right? It's going to end in my leg snapping in half and me not walking, you know, for like three years. But um, you think I should do it, Luke? Do you think I have the dedication for one more run? No, I think you're a washed piece of shit who is barely ambulatory at this point, and you're playing with fire. You're also barely lit on camera in this ISIS hideout in Atlantic City. I mean, could you look worse? I don't know. You All look right. like Brock Lesnar after three rounds of the the Echo Bike. Yes. To continue, Luke, from Josh, uh, when I went axe throwing with my 14-year-old son over the weekend and repped the MK Fight Club dog shirt, while most of the throws ended up with the axe on the floor, I did get one stuck, which my boy filmed vertically, and concentrated on the wall and the pole for some reason. Maybe he can get a job in the MK production crew. Like Luke, I also have a philosophy degree that has helped not at all with my career. Love the show. Keep up the awesome content. It's Josh. Yeah, have you been axe throwing? Never. So my wife took me uh, two birthdays ago and Violetta, my wonderful daughter, cried and howled the whole time because she couldn't participate, which was yes. fun. That's great. And uh, so I was distracted the entire time. It was fun, actually. I went to an axe throwing place not too far from my house and they serve booze and then they give you a fucking axe. It's uh I mean, what, what can go wrong? You know who's, um? remember, uh, what, was, what was the guy's name from the Showtime doc- documentary, Outcry? We interviewed him. Love that guy. Follow him on Instagram. Definitely right? not Pat Tillman. Definitely no, not Pat Tillman. What was it, Greg? Greg, yeah. Um, he start him and his wife has started a, a, a axe throwing business. business. Tomahawk Targets, yeah, yeah, and uh, and you know it's yeah. I went to I went to a place called uh, like Kick Axe or Axe Kicking or something like that. Something like that. All Some right. Kind of play on words. Ask me about, yeah, okay, Luke. Uh, we got one from uh, Kevin. Chemayev in the building. And by the way, Nolan King reporting from MMA Junkie that based on what he's hearing, Diaz is not interested in fighting someone who is above their contracted weight. Oh, that's a so nice whole, curveball by Nate to basically take Holland and D-Rod out of the equation. Well, D-Rod, he wouldn't fight anyway because I think they're both boys with Joe Schilling and shit like that. So I think there's a little bit of a crossover, but um, yeah. I think they'd take that fight. I don't think UFC would push for that, though. That's the difference, you know? They, 
Boy, I gotta tell you, you know who ends up getting fucked in all of this? If it ends up happening, let's let's say for a second, it is Nate versus Tony. Like they get to that, and like we're all celebrating. Yeah. What are they gonna do with the leech? Is he gonna fight? Like, what what, what what's he, what's he supposed to do in this? So whole not thing? only fight did he buy Hamzad that again, like not only did he buy that suit that he's that wasn't able to wear to the press conference. Now under this scenario, we're throwing out, he loses a fight altogether. You're saying. Well, I'm just saying, like, okay, it's great for us if they give Tony to Nate. Yay, consumers win. Okay, we win. What the fuck does the leech win? Like, my man bought a nice suit, doesn't get to show it off, could lose an opponent. That's, by the way, the biggest name opponent. I mean, it's, well, not, I mean, he fought Hamza, but, you know, a big name opponent that he should beat, right? You lose that at the last second. What the fuck is he going to get in all this? He could get, dude, he could be like, what the fuck, Hamza? You know what I mean? Like Hamza already beat his ass and then missed weight and took his opponent. I mean, it's a, it's a nightmare for him. It's a nightmare. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Luke. Uh, let's go to Kevin. He says, after hearing Luke talk about Cartagena, Colombia, I decided to check it out myself. The 80-degree weather with 60% humidity. Holy shit. So that's in a place called um, Hetzamani. Yeah, he said the humidity sucked balls, but the seafood was amazing Yo. like a dirt bag. I made my girl take this photo. She refers to you guys as that weird show you watch. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that is amazing. So this area, this building right here is next to, um, so this is a true story. So this this wall, the opposite side of the wall is the convention center in Cartagena, right on the water where the government signed the peace treaty, basically, with the FARC. It was this whole, um, you know, really important moment in Colombian history. And then just on the, this wall is a little bit banged up because that's the old city. Just on the other side of it is this beautiful city where all of the walls are like the color of they're all like pastel colors, like bright pink, bright, bright blue, bright yellow. And there's, um, by the way, there's a there's a uh, mural that they made of Kid Pembele, the famous Colombian boxer back in the day. So yes. you can see him over there. And um, uh, the food in that area is amazing. There, I got uh, this is where I got I got my tattoo in Hetzamani, and um, yeah, it's amazing. Yo, this whole, this that, guy... that, if you ever go to Cartagena, go to the Hetzamani neighborhood and go check it out. You can't go wrong. Uh, Kevin wore the MK like gross shirt, Luke out. You know. Every time I wear that shirt or that hoodie, people make a comment about it. Yeah, I, don't, I think we should take it off our website. But all the way, RJ says it's on. It's very close to becoming the number one seller we've ever had. I believe it because it's weird and it's provocative and uh, also stupid. Much and like people the show. are like, I'm going to flaunt my porn addiction. I'm going <laughs> to flaunt it. Uh, this one's from JB. Hey guys, my fan sub for this week is uh, we all know that BC is an artist. And his paintings are very popular. I found a photo of one of his best customers, and it is the one and only Antonina Shevchenko. <laughs> Much love. It's JB. Wow, Luke. Uh, yes, I wish. <laughs> you know, you see, I gotta say that Photoshop resembles both your uh, attire and physique. Yeah. <laughs> Luke, if I ever unfortunately had a terminal disease and I did get a wish, it would be this, Luke, to to paint the the the, the warrior sisters. A, a... Yeah, the, the only thing missing from this is the chub rock sticking through your pants <laughs> in an embarrassing fashion. Wow, 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 JB. Well done there. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I can't. Uh, by the it. way, per Dan Helly, the host of the UFC weigh-in show, Hamzat Shemaev has arrived at the UFC Apex for the weigh-ins. So we shall see. About time, dude. I mean, you know, let's see. Okay. Uh, Luke, you know JP from Mount Unike, uh, Nova Scotia, right? Uh, hold on. Uh, <laughs> Dustin, Dustin, hold on, fucker. Dustin Poirier just posted about it 59 seconds ago a tweet of him standing on the scales at 176.6. You think they call in some re-enforcements? Who was it? 
Dustin Poirier. Oh, dude. But he'd have to weigh in. So, no, it would be too late. You would have to actually weigh in to get it. Oh, my God. That would, you know, we never got that at MSG. Imagine if we got that last week. This would be like, you know what? People don't give Anderson Silva credit for taking that Cormier fight on like an hour notice, Luke. Seriously. And he hurt him yeah. to the body late. Yeah, that's that was crazy. That was crazy. And like it got kind of swallowed under the John Jones, Brock Lesnar parts of that show. But damn, shout out to Anderson Silva there. Um, Luke, do you know do you know Jay Paquette from uh, Mount Uniac, Luke, Nova Scotia? JP? Yeah, we're best boys. Yeah, he. So they've called him the Canadian Web Scream. That's what they've called him, Luke. He says, "Good day, MK Crew and fans. For the next happy hour, I think Luke should present his new margarita machine." Push over, Jimmy Buffett. There's a new mayor of Margaritaville. It's Luke Thomas. Uh, keep up the amazing content. Fan for life. It's JP. Yes. Dude, I got to tell you, I fucking love that idea. I love... Dude, okay. Here, Malka. Put a fucking slushy machine with my stupid grin on it. Margarita machine. Yes, please. Yeah, both slushy because you can put whatever you want in there, margarita or otherwise, but, and then we but, should drink out of that for happy hour. I love that idea. True or false, the, the Malka, you know, green room that we put our shit in and sit down on the gross couch that they have in there, it's just filled with cases of alcohol, correct? That, that room. There's like just bottles yes. of booze everywhere. Booze I don't like. I don't think it's out of character for them to provide us with this uh, machine uh, just the same. Thank you, JP. Well received on this end. Uh, Mason says, my wife and I went to uh, 277. Sadly, while walking around, only one person said they liked my shirt. We bought good seats, but got fucking seated next to Mr. Twist His Dick Off. <laughs> Look, you know that famous fan, the Twist His Dick Off guy? You know that guy? Hope to no. catch you all next time in Dallas. I'll have that fat fire for you, Luke. Thanks for making my work week easier. It's Mason. Luke, even this guy's out with his, you know, you know, out with his gorgeous female friend here uh, with this stupid shirt on, Luke. You know, she, who's to say what her standards are, you know? Okay. You know, you're not going to judge from that distance, Luke. It's a, you know, first war. Look cool. at that. Look at that. Look at the grin on his face. That grin is like, I have committed <laughs> so many crimes that are just disgusting to repeat. All right. Uh, thank you, Mason. Dude, how many times has this guy, like, defiled someone's burger oh, working stop. at Wendy's? Come on. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I could see him. I could see him getting into that. Oh, oh, yeah. You wanted the, you wanted the fucking, <laughs> you wanted the Frosty? I got a Frosty for you. You want the secret sauce? Yeah, I've got, I've got extra. Thank you very much. Luke, apparently we've got another one from Super Fan for Life, JP from Mount Uniac, Nova Scotia. Good day, crew and fans. Early in episode 345, Luke decided to rebrand MK just in time for the World MMA Awards. Luke said, we are old and pathetic. That's the name of this podcast. It was Morning Combat, but we're changing it to old and pathetic. BC, I jacked my back up yesterday. Your boy is in a little bit of pain here. Getting old sucks. End quote. Love you guys. Keep up the award-winning show. Luke, you down with this meme here? Yeah, that's the, we are, we are, what do you want to call us? Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, I think we have a Hamza way in. Hamza weighing in. Oh, it's live. Where are we at here? The suspense is killing me. What's your guess? Give me a guess, Luke. I'm going to say 179. Yeah, I got 178 in a, in a kilogram. 178.5. Woo! 178.5. Wow. So that means he's seven and a half over. Seven and a half over. Wow. So will they force him to fight Holland now? I don't know. 
Wait. Seven and a half over. Good what? Lord. Are we getting set up here for Nate versus Leach because of the Chinese market? Look, it would be a strategic move for the company. I I don't know. I'll tell you what, Lorenzo would have made that move, okay? Oh, yeah? That's why Vittori got that push, Luke, you know? That's their guy. They want an Italian champion, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> they probably did, actually. Damn right they did. Uh, thank you, JP, for once again doing that. We got one more from Alan W., he says, thank you so much of the hours of entertainment you give each week. I, too, am becoming old and washed as it is an absolute necessity to listen to your podcast through my earbuds in the morning to drawn out banal, repetitious daily conversations and cubicle politics. Here's two fan subs for your washed bitch asses. <laughs> the vaping. Oh, can you blow it up? <laughs> Featuring Billboard top hit Big Booty Latinas for Life, parental advisory, <laughs> yeah. old man complaining. Yes, that's, that's quite great. fair. That quite is fair. great. And he's got one more for us. The other MMA guys, Ariel L1, who was busy. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That I would I would put that photo up in a frame next to the web screen ones in our studio, Luke. That is a good one. I would that do is that. A good one. Thank you, Alan B. Luke, I'm gonna urine, I'm gonna piss my pants. Do you have anything to say to the people while I do that? Uh, no, we should close the show because now we have uh, this. But I think here's what I'll say. If if and when they announce Nate versus Hamzat, one of us has to do a reaction video. And by one of us, I mean you. Okay. One of you guys will be needed on HQ, they say. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have an appointment at 210 across town, but then that's it. I can come back after that. I'm not going anywhere, Luke. I'll be here, okay? Thank you. All right. Well, so we our, should close the show. We should. Yeah. Close then the for show. our great staff at Malka, CBS Sports, Showtime, everyone who backs us, thank you for taking this journey with us. Two and a half hours almost. Wow. Follow us below uh, morningcombat.store if you want a coffee mug and that kind of cool Reminder, stuff Reminder, live show tomorrow after the fights. Live show tomorrow after the fights. Featuring Luke Thomas. Yeah. And uh, check me out tonight on Showbox, 9 p.m. Eastern, a triple header. Good main event. Hugo Rodon from Argentina. Joseph Adorno, blessed hands, uh, 23. He's coming. He's coming. New weight class at 140. Check it out there. Uh, wow, what a show. What a, what a time to be alive, Luke. What a turn of events, UFC, this weekend. Wacky, crazy. This, this keeps me young, Luke. Oh, my God. Did you hear what Shemayev said walking off, the, walking off the scales? No. That's not bad. Bro, you missed by seven and a half pounds. That's real bad. That's real. And he gave the finger. <laughs> Dude, we're watching we're watching Drago here, Luke, and then suddenly the fans are cheering for Balboa, okay? That's what I'm that's what I'm seeing here, Luke. Bro, they thought they thought that uh yesterday's fist fights were uh a shit show. Nope. Nope. The weigh-ins were the shit show. Wow, and so was our shit show. It's called Morning Combat. You want to vote for it? WorldMMAawards.com slash nominee. We're up. For best MMA content, we want to go two for two, but it is up to you. Uh, thank you for Long Island Luke, Gaffney Pierre, Mikey Morms on the ones and twos, keeping us afloat. Uh, that's it, okay? We out Boy, here. how does Charles Oliveira feel? The guy missed by, like, the weight of his underwear, and they took his belt. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We'll see. You we'll see what they with, do. Stay tuned to MK for more Diaz coverage. Poses, Luke, you want to close by doing the Nate Diaz post? The hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns 
the last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount+.